Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Folks, welcome back to rolling to uh, Black Star Network's election night coverage here. Black votes matter. It, we have been we went on the air at seven o'clock. It's been uh, four and a half hours. Uh, a number of races have been called. Uh, what we're looking at the most right now is the U.S. Senate race that's taking place in Georgia. Eighty-five percent of the votes are in. It is 49-49. Herschel Walker with one million seven hundred and fifty-eight thousand sixteen votes. Uh, incumbent Senator Raphael Warnock, 1,757,310 votes. That's a difference of about 700 votes. The race has been called in the Georgia race uh, for governor. Uh, Brian Kemp with 85% of the vote in. Brian Kemp is at 53.8%. Uh, Stacey Abrams is at 
45.5%. Uh, she lost that race by 30,000 votes uh, four years ago. Tonight, she's losing by 300,000 votes. Uh, and again, what's interesting in that race, of course, uh, Kemp is at 1.9 million. She's at 1.6 million. Uh, but if you look at the um, race between Walker and Warnock, it's 1.7, 1 1.7. 1 .7. Uh, and so we're looking at that particular race there. Uh, a lot of folks were talking about a potential upset in the New York governor's race, uh, but Kathy Hochul, uh, she is winning there. And so Democrats will hold on to the governor's mansion uh, in New York. We've also been looking at the U.S. Senate race uh, in, um, uh, first of all, in um, uh, North Carolina. Uh, it was looking good early on for quite some time, uh, but um, it looks like Sherry Beasley is falling further and further behind, uh, but she's uh, down uh, by about 140,000 votes. Uh, also, uh, control room, please double check. I believe Stacey Abrams is giving her concession speech right now. Uh, please let me know uh, when y'all have that up so we can go to it live. Joining us right now uh, is uh, New Orleans Congressman uh, Troy Carter. Congressman, glad to have you here. Uh, we've been talking about New Orleans. Uh, we've been talking about black voters in North Carolina. Uh, Gary Chambers, who ran for the United States Senate, put a video out talking, showing the abysmal numbers of early voters there in Louisiana. Uh, and, and the question I have for you, uh, you know, what is it going to take in your state uh, to really activate, organize, and mobilize black voters there? Uh, because when we look at these turnout numbers, uh, they simply are not good. It's way too many black folks in your state uh, for them not to be voting. Roland, we've got to continue to take our message to the streets. We've got to continue to get into uh, the classrooms, the schoolhouses, the communities and make people understand that when we vote, we win. And when we stay home, we lose. It's just that simple. Uh, year in, year out, month in, month out, election in, election out, we continue to see uh, the same level of poor, poor participation at the ballot box. And then we see the policies that are born from that. Um, we've got to do a better job. It's very simple. We have to do a better job at getting into the communities uh, and I wish I had a magic wand. I wish I knew what the antidote was. Um, we know every election cycle we push, we go out, we encourage people. They see the damage of what happens when we stay home, yet we continue to barely um, reach 50 percent uh, on, on good years. And, and that's not good. Um, when 50 percent of the people stay home, we have critical elections that, that impact policy that impact the kind of things that are important to people at their kitchen tables, in their homes, in their communities. Yet we continue to see less than um, um, energetic people going to the polls. We need to continue to push voter registration and voter participation because we know, again, when we vote, we win. And when we don't, we get just what we get tonight, um, results that uh, put us in a position where we lose uh, the gains that we've made. We've got to continue to fight for those things that are important to the American people. Congressman, hold tight one second. Let's go live to Georgia, where Stacey Abrams uh, just finished giving her a concession speech. From the moment I got into politics, I, I have always promised to level with the people of Georgia. And I am here to tell you that what we have architected in this state does not end today. And this woman is one of the reasons why. Lauren Grawargo is our champion, she is our friend, and she deserves our praise and our thanks because this is the Georgia she's helping us build. 
I'm here because my friend Allegra Lawrence Hardy. is one of the fiercest attorneys you will ever meet. And she has poured her heart and her soul and her time and her treasure to defending our rights and our democracy. And she will never be demeaned for doing for us what we can't do on our own. Thank you, Allegra Lawrence Hardy. I see in this crowd women and men who have been a part of this journey since I put my name on a ballot in 2006. And while I may not have crossed the finish line, that does not mean we will ever stop running for a better Georgia. We will never stop running for the truth that we know to be true, for the people we know need to see us, for the ones who don't know they deserve to stand, let alone run. And tonight, we must be honest, even though my fight, our fight for the governor's mansion may have come up short. I don't give a damn about Brian. So uh, if y'all uh, y'all should go to, go to Stacy's uh, Facebook page or her YouTube channel in uh, the see if the speech is there, so we can go ahead and pull that up there. Uh, back here at the desk, Larry Walker, Avis Jones, Weaver, Monique Presley, uh, Michael M. Hotel. We got our panel over there. Uh, we also have uh, Congressman Troy Carter, who's with us. Greg Carr still with us. Uh, we have Shannon Wright uh, out of Maryland. Reverend Jeff Carr, who's with us as well. Uh, I'll go to you, Avis. Uh, bottom line is this here: a lot of people. Uh, really wanted to see Stacey Abrams become the first black woman elected governor in this country. Mm -hmm. uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, she was focused on that. Uh, she uh, rebuffed efforts by uh, the Biden administration to come into the administration. Uh, and again, she loses by 300,000 votes tonight. Uh, a stark contrast uh, from four years ago uh, when it was 30,000 votes. Absolutely. And, it, and it's really unfortunate because you know, she, along with other key organizations, were really responsible for putting together the infrastructure and the voter engagement that led to uh, the two de Democratic senators that sits in the Senate right now from the state of Georgia. And so it's unfortunate that whatever momentum was in the air at that moment seems to have dwindled down, unfortunately, where you have people who have literally split their ticket, uh, not supporting her, but supporting, it seems, Warnock. So there needs to be some focus on what's going on with the black vote specifically and black male vote, I would argue, specifically in Georgia, uh, as well as others. Um, we saw some huge pullback with regards to support around Stacey Abrams' campaign. It's also hard, Monique, when you run against incumbency. The reality is when you're the incumbent, when you're the governor, uh, you have the power of the governor's mansion. There are things that you can do when you're running. Uh, there are things, stuff that you can dole out, places you can go. Uh, and then, you know, it's always harder to take down an incumbent. Uh, you look what happened. Uh, Ron DeSantis barely wins against Andrew Gillum. Uh, 30,000 votes four years ago. Tonight, he beat Charlie Crist by 1.5 million. Yeah, but I mean, it's also, you're looking at Georgia on the backdrop of all of these people who just voted for uh, Herschel Walker. I mean, it's 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 a little bit berserk. Actually, uh, actually, you know what? It's not because because here's what I keep saying. Uh, the other side, they don't give a damn about 
character, morals, values, ethics, principles. It's about power. Yeah. And, right. so and so, he, I, to my point was, I don't think it's incumbency alone. I think it's the fact that we are dealing with um, a, a grouping of people and, and cultish personalities that are not at all interested in, um, in what is for the good of their state or what is for the good of the country. But all that aside, I do have two things I want to say. There's no red wave. Since, right. since, we're, since we're doing a reset, and I feel like we've, we've been, you know, on everything the Dems did wrong for about four hours now. So I'm just going to say, in the do right of it, um, all of the predictions of the red wave were wrong. Uh, in fact, um, uh, in fact Eric Erickson actually had tweeted out early, he's like, uh, sorry, I was wrong. And I was like, well, actually, we told you. He's like, hashtag, we tried to tell you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because, again, I mean, there, 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 there have been a lot of bright spots for Democrats. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell actually said something, uh, or tweeted something. He said, uh, Joe Biden probably is going to be the most effective president during a midterm uh, yeah. in a very long time. Because mm -hmm. normally, in a midterm elections, uh, the party in power controlling Congress and the White House gets crushed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's looking like um, Lauren Boebert is going to lose. And so that alone is going to make me sleep just like a baby. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, that idiot Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah. uh, she, beat, uh, she beat the she, brother Marcus Flowers. She's still good. But yeah, but, but yes. But they're counting uh, the numbers Bo now. Boebert Bo Bo right. losing, yeah, that's a good night. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it looks like if, if they get the House, it looks like it's like 10 or less. And we and like some of them right, 40. and some of them are still too close to call. So if Kevin McCarthy gets his whole dream, um, he's going to be unable to do anything right. because at any given time in the U.S. House of Representatives, you can snatch ten Republicans right. to at least get a budget passed, well, right? And, and, so and also we're also looking at uh, and, and there's going to be some pimp slapping going on uh, if Patrick uh, Maloney is unable to show Sean Maloney is unable to hold that damn seat. Uh, because he ran out Mondaire Jones, right? Uh, and when the different he got carved up, uh, and so Maloney runs, even though he was over the D Triple C, did not step down, uh, and it's, he's going to look real foolish uh, not being able to hold that seat when the brother could have actually uh, held that seat. Uh, so it, it's, it's going to be a lot of folks, Congressman Carter, uh, who are going to be uh, asking some serious questions. Uh, if you're going to step out there and run the brother off, you damn sure better defend that seat. Uh, and so we're following that race very closely. Uh, and um, uh, and so, you know, to, to Monique's point, uh, the bloodbath many expected has not happened. And again, uh, when we look at the United States Senate, we're still watching the race in Pennsylvania. But this thing may come down to, again, a runoff in Georgia. Mm -hmm. Congressman Carter? Yeah, listen... It, it should not be as close as it is. It's unfortunate that we would be talking about a race that should be very clear between two people, one that clearly has the, uh, the experience, the energy, the commitment uh, uh, to be able to serve and not be a puppet for a party. Um, and it, it's a shame, and it really speaks to, once again, what we talked about before, and that is the level of apathy in our community. Um, we saw a few years ago where... Stacey Abrams motivated and energized the entire state, and we saw the result of that. Unfortunately, we were not able to replicate it today, uh, and that's unfortunate. We've got to be able to bottle this enthusiasm. We've got to be able to bottle this energy that says when we vote, we win. When we demand excellence in policy changes, we get excellence in policy changes. 
Um, and we just got to go back to the drawing board and continue to reaching into the souls of our people to make them understand the importance um, of, of, of voting, of participating, of demanding the best and not letting someone from another state come into Georgia and, and threaten to take back the gains that we've made. Uh, it's bigger than, than us. It's bigger than that. And starting tomorrow, starting tomorrow, we have to get back to the drawing board and convince people the importance of, of voter registration, voter participation, and demanding better. Not just because it's a brown face. Not just because it's a brown face or an athletic star that we once enjoyed uh, playing football. We're talking about policy. We're talking about lives. We're talking about someone that can go and fight for the people of Georgia like um, Senator Warnock has done. Uh, and we've got to continue to fight this thing. And if it goes to runoff, we've got to demonstrate that we're going to fight, fight back, and win. Uh, Congressman Troy Carter, always glad to have you here. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we, 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 I really believe that, that there needs to be some folks in Louisiana need to be sitting, sitting down and bringing in the folks in Georgia said, let's replicate what y'all did in Georgia here in Louisiana. The potential is there, especially when it comes to the, the need. Hopefully the Supreme Court won't act a fool and will give Louisiana that second, that another black congressional district, but it's just waiting. And we're going to be fighting to make that happen because we, the math is very clear. We need, we deserve, it's basic math that Louisiana should have two minority majority districts and we'll continue to fight and take our message to the courts and ultimately to the people. Uh, and it's also basic math that not enough of us are voting black folks in Louisiana. So let's let's do something about that. Congressman, we appreciate it. Thanks so much. God bless you, brother. Keep uh, up the great work. Thank you very much. Um, Larry, here's a perfect example of what happens when you focus on local elections. Go to my iPad. Uh, a criminal justice reformer wins the DA's race in uh, Iowa, Polk County, where Des Moines is. Uh, and uh, folks had both mags said in June, she told Boats that she was inspired to run after hearing Rachel Rollins, the former uh, Boston, uh, former reform DA. She's now, of course, the U.S. attorney there. Uh, and this is, this is a perfect example. When you talk about mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, here's a perfect example. You have to take those DA races, and yeah, you got these people who are targeting Alvin Bragg in New York. They targeted Chase uh, in San Francisco. They've been targeting different people. Unfortunately, Aramis Ayala tonight lost as attorney general uh, there in Florida, uh, but that's one of those. It will not be a sexy race. It's not going to be talked about on a lot of different places, but it's important to win those down ballot races. Yeah, no, we've talked a lot about down ballot races in your, in your show a lot because we talk about, you know, the governorship, uh, House and Senate, et cetera. But a lot of these local elections you talked about in various states, you just highlighted Iowa. We have to remember that we're really cultivating uh, political leaders for the future. So you start off small and then as you get more experience, maybe you win another election or two, then maybe you run for governorship or the House or Senate. And then particularly, I think, Roland, this is important. We talk about um, black and um, you talk about women and other minoritized groups. We have to cultivate them early on. We have to encourage them. I think the also the other thing that's important, Roland, is we have to be able to counter this uh, nonsense in terms of if you're progressive, that could harm chances um, to right. hold, hold on to various seats. We found it, as we see tonight, it's not, it's not the case. Um, you just talked about Iowa, but we're also seeing progressives in various other areas uh, we're seeing in Michigan in terms of how well the governor's doing there. It's a possibility in Michigan that, um, that, that Democrats may take the Senate. So listen, if we stay with a message that's consistent with, with the needs of people, you can expect voters to turn out. That's why we need to stay, keep it progressive, 
focus on economic issues and various other issues that are important to other communities, particularly when we talk about um, bail reform and various other issues in, in New York State and in Michigan and other areas. So it's important to focus on issues that uh, uh, voters care about, be consistent, as we talked about earlier, encourage them to vote, like I said, 365. I want to make sure that I'm going to put this on a T-shirt because we have to be consistent with our message. And if we do that, then we can also win some of these other elections that we lost this time, Stacey Abrams, et cetera. Um, Reverend Jeff Carr, we've been looking at what's happening around this country. Uh, and uh, look, t Republicans in your state made a mess of Nashville. All sorts of problems, wrong ballots, wrong congressional uh, uh, seats in different precincts, folks going to three and four different precincts. That's what happens That's when that. you split up Nashville into four different yep. congressional districts because you already had an eight to two majority uh, with congressional seats in, a, in, in the uh, delegation, but they wanted mm -hmm. to be nine to one. This is also what happens, Roland, to the point that you've been making all night and to the point that this prestigious panel has been making. This is what happens when Republicans have a plan that they enact 20, 30 years in advance. I think Dr. Malvo pointed out that they've been working on it for 50 years. Uh, you're going to have these hiccups, uh, yet and still this gerrymandering that has happened in the state of Tennessee and Nashville being carved up into four different districts. Yes, it has produced uh, four districts that are completely red and insanely so, but it's also produced uh, some quirks. It has produced some hiccups. Uh, prior to that, 438 people yesterday realized that they were filled, they filled out the wrong ballots. Uh, there were about 600 people who were turned away from districts uh, from their voting precincts today on election day alone. So there's chaos there. It really doesn't net much when we talk about uh, how that's going to affect us, Democrat versus Republican, because it's been so carved up the last year or so. But one of the things that is continually coming out that we've heard all night tonight that we're going to continue to hear, and that is messaging. How do we get to the messaging that is going to trickle down to people who we need to activate vote to get in the room? The state of Tennessee, just a few years ago, when I was in college, I'd say a few years ago, I realized it was about 30 years ago, but when I was active in student government and in between focusing on being colder than the bubbles on a champagne glass, uh, I was also in a blue state, an overwhelmingly blue state. Uh, how did we go in just the three decades from an overwhelmingly blue state to an overwhelmingly red state? It began with a plan at the state level. People take these state races for granted. State level is where you redraw these districts. State level is where you build political power. State level is where you begin to influence everything from school boards to Secretary of State's offices. And at that level, those of us who are in spaces where there are a number of people who are voting blue, but because of gerrymandering, they are not able to have their voices heard you have to, and I'm saying this to the Democratic Party all over the country, but especially here in Nashville. There's an African proverb that says, he who cannot dance will say the drum is bad. Listen, the party has some broken legs and they aren't dancing. And it's not the people, it's the people who are not being brought to the table. It's when you walk into a room of Democratic leaders and you walk in and you try to be involved and you're sitting there with people who are claiming to be progressive, but in truth, they are what I call faux-gressive. That means that as long as you are voting for the candidates they choose for you, 
then they are going to support you. They're going to bundle. They're going to bring in fundraising. They're going to energize the money portion. But they're not listening to people who are out there on the ground doing the work. They are intimidated by strong black voices, both female and male. And as long as you are not willing to cede that power and to listen to the people who are telling you the messages that are connecting with people, and you act as if you know everything, and you are going, not going to seat the power for leadership on the grassroots, we're going to continue to see this happen. We've got some great opportunities with this space because, as Attorney Presley pointed out, it was not the red wave that people predicted. So we have a critical moment right now in history where we have the opportunity to figure out how to make our sometimes high-end issues relate to everyday working people who can and should be activated to come out and vote. Uh, let me introduce uh, Pastor Shannon Wright, CEO of the Urban Engagement Initiative, Deanna Bass-Williams, co-host, Policy and Pound Cake, uh, partner with Bass Public Affairs, also activist uh, Tiffany Lofton. Glad to have all three of you here. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Shannon. When we look at the North Carolina race, go to my iPad, please. They're calling this race for Congressman Ted Budd. Uh, he beats uh, Sherry Beasley uh, by about 130-some-odd thousand votes. He gets 50.7%. Uh, she gets 47.1%. Uh, that Out of 3.7 million uh, ballots cast, that was uh, a race uh, that uh, many folks were watching. Uh, and, uh, you know, Democrats have been trying to pick off that North Carolina um, seat for quite some time, Shannon. Uh, and the reality is this, um, Democrats also put, a lot, put money in late, uh, and Republicans, uh, they understood how critical that seat was, knowing full well uh, that Democrats wanted to expand their majority uh, in the United States Senate. You know, I, I hear you saying the Republicans put their money in early and knew that was a part of their plan. Um, it seems to be hit and miss <clears throat> when you make a plan and it actually works. Um, there's some races I expected to come out quite differently than they have. But if I could go back to uh, Pastor Carr, I believe it was, his, his analogy about um, Tennessee and Nashville. I'm in Maryland, and, and Baltimore has the same issue in terms of a city broken up with four congressional districts um, and listed as one of the top five gerrymandered states in the country. The only difference is it ain't the Republicans. So... I'm, I've been conflicted. I've listened to the show all night, but I want to, if I don't, if nothing I say resonates, let this one marinate for a minute. It is not so much the parties unless we allow them to have control. It's us taking control of policy and not just sticking to one party, but, but recruiting, training, teaching, mentoring in both parties. Because my mother used to say, True power comes from a seat at all the tables, not just one. So just as we're seeing a lot of the gerrymandering and a lot of the, the political gamesmanship in some areas, we're seeing it in other areas, and it's both parties. So until we actually can acknowledge that and recognize that there are those of us on both sides of the aisle, um, and just as those of us that share the same skin color don't want to be lumped into one category, nor do us in that political party, we have to address policy, we have to teach folks how to create policy that positively impacts people. And when we do that is when we take control.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Of both sides. Deanna Bass, uh, we're looking at the Pennsylvania race. 82% of the votes are in. John Fetterman is at 49.5%. Mehmet Oz is at 48.1%. Uh, it's uh, about uh, 65,000 or so votes uh, separating them out of 4.55 million that have been cast. Uh, your assessment of what has happened tonight? You know, um, I've, I've also been listening to the show, Roland, and thanks so much for having me um, join this conversation. And I never thought that it was go- that we were going to have a red wave while I wanted a red wave. I think that because we see, we've seen that um, voters have been so, div- so evenly divided on so many very important issues. Like, I'm not surprised... Um, about what we're seeing in Pennsylvania, the, the razor close um, margins there. I'm not surprised about, um, I'm even, I'm not even surprised about what we're seeing in Georgia, my home state. And the last time I checked just before we came on, I think it was 49-49. So I'm not surprised by these things. But what I am surprised by is this, is the conversation that I've been hearing on your show, which, and I love the rich conversation, but, but what surprises me is this, this shock that black Americans are all of a sudden, that black Americans are 
um, considering other options other than the Democratic Party. And so I think that once I've agreed with a lot about we have actually to be- there actually there's no shock. I mean, actually there's no there's no shock at all. Anybody okay. who actually anybody I mean anybody who's actually covered um, or done any of the shows that I've done I literally for the last twenty years. No, I'm not. I'm saying that there's no shock. What? I think I, I, I. Pardon me. I used the wrong word. I probably should have said it. For me, it seems like there's dismay or um, that Black Americans are not in lockstep with Democrats. And I think, as your panelists have talked about messaging, I think that Democrats have certainly missed opportunities um, to 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 share how how things like inflation and those things would actually are impacting black Americans. And those issues have been really important to black people as they have been to all Americans. So I think, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not shocked by the, by the pink wave. Um, but I think that in the, you know, in the next hopefully 12 hours, we'll, we'll have more clarity, but I definitely, well, here's, here's what I mean by that. Um, I would dare say going back to, hmm, let's say 1989. Mm-hmm. 1989. I have, I have laid out this, this, this exact same thing. And that is, as this, as you get further and further away from the black freedom movement, mm-hmm. you are seeing African Americans less self-identify. I remember having a conversation with my parents and others of races in Texas when I was in college and I was relaying the conversations that black college students were having that were different from their parents. The difference, what we're stating, what we're actually stating is that Democrats haven't been listening. They haven't actually been listening to black people. Mm-hmm. And what they've done is they've actually ignored what folks have been saying, like Tiffany. You look at, again, the number of young African-Americans who do not self-identify as either party. Now, they may lean a certain way, but mm-hmm. then when somebody does not self-identify, the usual ways for you to communicate them don't work. And okay. if you're... And if, and if you're... Un- and, and so if you're unwilling to communicate with them in a different way, if you're unwilling to actually meet them where they are, you're going to have a problem because the problem they have isn't even a significant number of black folks voting Republican. Their greatest problem are folks checking out the process totally. And so now you take those numbers combined with a targeted effort by Republicans to appeal to certain segments based upon certain issues such as African-Americans who are naturally conservative, who are, uh, who are, um, uh, who are anti-abortion, or folks mm-hmm. from an economic standpoint, or in the last race in Florida, uh, targeting African-Americans who believe in school choice. That was a significant issue there, uh, where you had uh, Andrew Gillum, uh, who was tied to the teachers' union. The Santos was talking about those uh, opportunity scholarships. And so, it's understand micro-targeting. What Democrats have done is not listen to black people. And Tiffany, uh, you're, again, I want you to speak to that. You're a senior director of campaigns and advocacy at the Hip Hop Caucus. Uh, that, that right there, again, it's listening to black folks in, the, in 2022 and not trying to run a 1982 playbook. 
I hear you. Can I ask you a question? And this I, is I, my I, I, no, hold on a second. Hold on. Why don't you answer okay. that question? After Tiffany speaks, I need to pull her in. Then you can ask the question. Tiffany, go. Okay. Diana, hold on. Tiffany, go right ahead. Answer uh, what I just lay up to you. Tiffany, I think you're on mute. No, go, you go ahead. Go ahead. Roland, you didn't say anything confusing just now. Um, Circles, the report, just came out and said that the national youth vote by choice of race in 2022 midterm elections, so that's this year's midterm elections, 89% of black youth voted leaning Democrat. Since 2020, there are 8 million new voters that can participate in the 2022 midterm elections. 8 million new people have turned a voting age. And in places like Culver City, because I'm in Los Angeles, this year on the ballot, there is a conversation about whether or not voters believe that 16-year-olds should be able to vote in the elections in the city. We are seeing an uprise of young people who are not paying attention to politics as usual. They care about environmental justice, reproductive choice, canceling student loan debt, police brutality. In the city of Los Angeles, 43,000 people are experiencing homelessness. We have marijuana on the ballot, slavery on the ballot, gun violence prevention on the ballot, the list goes on. And these young people who, mind you, just experienced nothing that any of us have really experienced when we were in school or in college, they just experienced a two-year pandemic where they had to pay the full cost of tuition, had to pay for rent on college campuses, had to pay the cost of tuition to get food and housing, and didn't experience any of that. These young people who usually have an entryway into organizing the same way that I did. The previous speakers talked about when they were organizing when they were in college. I got involved in social justice work because I joined the United States Student Association. The poster's right here on my wall. It'll stay there forever. Because I saw upperclassmen who were like, we need to register young people to vote. We need to turn out for the presidential elections and the midterm elections. These young people did not have that opportunity over the last two years. All they have had is Democrats and elected officials who have the House and the Senate and the White House Tell them, we'll send you more PP masks. We're not going to cancel student loan debt at this moment. We're just going to delay the repayment pause. We're not going to lower the cost of college tuition. We're not going to give everybody free health care. We're not going to give everybody bigger checks. We're going to give you $1,250 three times for the year. And we hope that that helps with the cost of rent, which has skyrocketed. And, and we've seen no rent control, just out of this world type of rent. And these young people are now making the decision. Yes, I understand the consequences of, of uh, two-party systems and voting Republican and voting Democrat. But what they care about the most, Roland, is not the color of the party, but what the party is going to do. And we have watched these young people scream, protest, march, uprisings, sign petitions, um, do interviews, vote. They are having conversations with this political party, to your point, which has ignored them and taken them for granted. And I am, I am certain that tonight, with the losses and the wins, but the losses that we have seen, that these young folks who are getting ready for the 2024 election, these young people are having those conversations right now, but what they're not going to do and what they are going to do, there are over 330 million people in America and we only usually get about 43, excuse me, there are 330 million people in America. We usually only get about 43 million people to participate in the midterm elections. There is a gap. 
And more people are falling into that gap where they're like, this political system doesn't even help me. They don't care about me. They don't ask me what I think. They don't do what I tell them to do when I put them in office. They don't listen to me after the, when, when they're running for re-election. They don't come to hang out in my hood. They don't talk to me in my communities. And they are tired. And we hear the jargon. Vote for us. Don't vote for them. D scare tactics. Don't vote for them because they're going to take away your rights. Well, when I vote for you, you ain't give me no more rights. These young people that I teach at UC Santa Cruz, the folks that I organize at the University of Toledo in Ohio, the students at FAMU that I work with, the people at the NAACP who are organizing young folks across the country, the University of California Student Association, the United States Student Association, these folks who are working with these young people, they're tired. They've been tired. Every election season is the most important election season, but they're tired and they want something different. And I believe, last thing I'll say, that in the spirit and honor of Fannie Lou Hamer, who I love and adore and is on the cover of my notebook, that people who are sick and tired of being sick and tired will do something different. And, and as a 33-year-old millennial who is supporting the training and development of that apparatus, of that base, whatever that is, it is going to not only help these young people, it's going to save America. Because we can't continue to do this piecemeal stuff where we see uh, uh, incremental changes where we elect people into office and the things that we are demanding, the things that our community needs, life or death, we don't receive. That season has come to an end, I think, in this midterm election. Deanna, you had a question? Yeah, you know, I'm so excited to hear your panelists say these things. And I also, I'm, I'm really... Roland, the thing that concerns me most is that what I hear her talking about in terms of um, being taken for granted, and I don't want to, I know that's like um, uh, Republicans always say that blacks are being taken for granted by the Democratic Party. I believe that, but I'm on the right, and I want um, Republicans to begin to invest more in black press. Didi and I are literally every day working to encourage conservative organizations to invest in black press. We're making a little incremental um, uh, change, but we but, will but make... They, 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 but Dan, they, 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 they won't even talk. I mean, let's look, when I say won't even I, talk... No, listen, but this is what I'm saying. Let me just add, this is what I'm saying. If, if you on the, if you on the, not you, Roland, but if people on the left are saying that Democrats are not listening to blacks, and taking blacks for granted, or you've been working and working, and now you've been shifting. Like my question is, like I, I love Black America. I am a Black woman. I want what is best for Black people. I'm working for that on the right side of the aisle. Whether whether my sisters and brothers on the left side believe it or not, I'm working for that on the right side of the aisle. But I feel like I honestly believe that somehow we on the left, on the right, and the left have to. Um, demand more because if you're not getting it on the left and we are like the, the thing that worries me about no, the razor sis 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 and I love your sweater sis the alternative is not the right that's the mm -hmm. part that these young folks are talking about that when I hear what you're I, I think I hear what you're saying and what you're trying to explain like yes we might not find spaces or relationships with us on the democratic side or on the on the left side the alternative sister is not the right because we well, would have been over there already. And we're not going over wait, there. Wait, wait, hold on, though. The alternative so I think that we have right now, the alternative that we have right now is the Democratic Party is not being held accountable. Wait, 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 w
that Republicans have silenced black voters, have ignored black voters, have have used black voters. If we're talking about Herschel Walker and Candace Owens, sis, we got a conversation we need to have offline, not on public TV, because we we are talking about how Democrats are not being held accountable for the voters that they take for granted in the black community. And the alternative to that is not, well, let's come on over to the right. That is not the alternative. The alternative is these young people are creating freedom dreams and a bigger vision of what these issues that I named, marijuana, women's reproductive choice, student debt cancellation, ending gun violence, slavery, environmental justice, and the list goes on. That conversation is being had, and you are seeing young people like Maxwell Frost, who is a Generation Z, Afro-Cuban Democrat, who is saying, listen, y'all not listening to me? So I'm going to run for office so that I can support my community. Got it. He's not running on the right side. This is not even about left and right. And okay, if we okay. continue, if we continue to track black people... No, wait, wait, wait. Wait, hold on, hold on. So, Tiffany, 10 seconds. People, 10 seconds, Tiffany. You got it. If we continue to trap black people in left and right, America will not go anywhere. We okay, need to have so- a conversation about what we need to do to encourage the people who are not voting because there are millions of people who don't participate in the electoral okay, process, so, uh, partially because of the party. Di- hold on. Oh, Deanna, and get young oh, folks Tiffany, to help us Tiffany, decide what America is doing. 10 seconds. Deanna, then Shannon. Deanna, go. <laughs> okay, so this is the thing, Tiffany. I am, I worked in my first campaign when I was 11 years old. You say you're a Gen X, Gen Z, or I'm a Gen X, or I am about I'm to I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. Go ahead. Yes, you're a millennial. I'm a Gen Gen Xer. I worked on my first campaign, elected the first black woman to the city council in Columbus, Georgia, when I was 11 years old. And there, now my nephew, who is 21 years old, who is at an HBCU, who is who loves his um, loves his country, loves his race, loves everything about being a young black man. He is a conservative, and he has, and he actually. So there are many people who actually do find value in voting and who are on the right side of the aisle and they and and whether it shocks you i don't think it does i mean clearly you are um you re- you recognize that there are black people who actually believe in um, that that words like reproductive rights that that's not like i am pro-life and there are many black okay so, so that's the difference baby i'm pro-choice okay hold on what I'm saying is that we have to recognize that there are people there, like as a black woman who's proud to be black, don't want to be anything other than this. I, my political worldview sit in sit in the conservative camp. It's not going to change. It hasn't changed since. And that's 11. fine. But I don't believe that your political but views or your global views. Okay, okay, hold, okay, hold, hold tight. Hold, okay, hold tight. One second. I, I'm, I'm gonna call a timeout and hold up because I gotta go. Sherry Beasley is speaking. She's giving her concession speech in North Carolina. Y'all know we hear from black people. The folks who made phone calls and drove people to the polls, I am so grateful, so, so grateful that I've met so many awesome folks along the way. And I give my deepest, deepest thanks to Team Beasley. I thank my husband, Kurt, whose partnership has been essential in this journey and whose birthday we celebrate tonight. Happy, happy, happy birthday, Kurt. I love you dearly. 
and to our sons, Matthew and Thomas, who inspire me every single day. I could not have done it without the support of my men, and I love them so, so very much. I'm very, very thankful. A few minutes ago, I called Senator-elect Bud to congratulate him. And I offered him my support and encouraged him to stand in the tradition of our state to be an independent leader that puts North Carolina first. And I hope he will. I hope he will. I am so proud of the race that we ran. I'm proud that all along we stayed true to our mission, that this race would be about the people and not politics. And even when others didn't, we believed in North Carolina. And I still do. This isn't the outcome that we wanted, but we have made history in North Carolina. And tonight I'm thinking of those who blazed trails before me so that I can reach this moment with you all here this evening. I'm thinking of my late mother, Lou Beasley, who showed me the importance of public service, of working for justice for all, and for standing for what's right. She was an amazing example and amazing woman. She knew the importance of staying the course and valuing the right to vote. My mother was granted the right to vote 57 years ago by the passage of the Voting Rights Act. And 57 years later, the work to make voting truly accessible continues. I'm thinking of my granddaddy Clarence and my grandmother Mimi, Rebecca, from Alabama, who married very young and searched for a better life for their family. With 76 cents in his pocket, Granddaddy Clarence hopped a train to Nashville, Tennessee with dreams of a better future in his heart. He worked on the railroad all of his life, believing that for all of his sacrifice, his children and grandchildren would have it better. Granddaddy Clarence and Mimi believed firmly in the American dream. And despite the challenges they faced and the injustices they weathered, my grandparents worked hard to build a better future for their children and grandchildren. I am my grandparents' American dream. <laughs> Regardless of the result, I remain resolved to fight for our beloved state. Because North Carolina is worth fighting for. And we are worth fighting for. Because our American dreams are worth pursuing. This election was never about the names on the ballot. It's about you, the people of the state, and your future. And after two decades as a judge and chief justice of the Supreme Court of North Carolina, I ran for the United States Senate for a simple reason. I love this state. But I've seen how Washington has failed people here. 
And over the last 19 months, I met North Carolinians in all 100 counties. You've shared with me your struggles, from jobs that don't pay the rent, to medication that costs too much, to loved ones who need health care but couldn't afford it, to small business owners who are the backbone of our economy and who need leaders with a backbone to do what's best for them. I've spoken with farmers who Sarah are Beasley, of course, giving her concession speech, uh, she loses uh, in North Carolina. Democrats have been trying to win a seat there uh, since 2008. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say this again. Reverend Barber was on earlier, uh, and we make the point over and over and over again. If you do not make the investments into that state and build your infrastructure outside of your large counties, you're not going to be able to win. Uh, I can't wait to go inside of that race to start breaking apart the numbers, see what happened what, in different parts of the state, see what the black turnout was in that particular state. Uh, but that's just at the end of the day, uh, if you want to win in North Carolina, uh, look, you had a Democratic governor there. You've had Democrats who won statewide, uh, but you have to actually uh, focus on those areas. Significant black population in North Carolina. The question is, did they maximize their voting power there? Uh, we were having a conversation, Tiffany, Deanna, Shannon. Shannon, I want you to comment, and then uh, I saw Greg Carr's reaction, uh, and I thought Greg was literally about uh, to start burning some books. Uh, so let me let, let, me let Shannon make, make her point, and, and Greg definitely has something to say. Trust me, uh, Shannon, go ahead. Please put down the match and the lighter first before I continue. No, 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 no. Greg, um, Greg didn't have a match. Greg had a blowtorch. Yeah, flamethrower, all of that. Um, so, so here's the thing: when we um, we when we put ourselves in separate camps and we talk about, well, the Democrats are ignoring us, and but the right's not the answer. This, that, and the other. When we argue against our own interests, those that don't want us to succeed win. So, when I said it in in, in, in my initial statement was, if we can, first of all, I'm a Republican, and yes, I'm a conservative, but before that. I am a Bible-believing Christian. So that means I believe there are certain ways you need to treat <laughs> widows and orphans and, and all sorts of folks that is higher than and very different from either political party. So I'll say again, when we can stop fighting for a label or a color and fight for our own self-interest of our people, that is when we succeed. But Shannon, I got to ask you a question. I got to ask you a question right here, okay? I, gotta, mm -hmm. I heard what you just said. Yeah, when I looked at when I looked at when votes were taken in the House, when it came to after the shooting of Buffalo, to condemn. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. White supremacy. Republicans wouldn't vote for that. When I looked at the vote to cap insulin at $35, Republicans wouldn't vote for that. Uh, when I looked at the demonization of the poor in this country, when Trump was in there and they were literally trying to change the SNAP benefits, Republicans wouldn't vote for that. I, I get being a conservative, being a Republican. When you talk about the widows and the orphans, it's amazing how Republicans absolutely ignore those widows and orphans when it comes to public policy. Yeah, not all of us do. That's number no, one. No, no, no. I'm not, and I'm saying all of you, but I'm talking about those who are actually in power. I'm talking about those who are you're in the House, those who are right. in the Senate, those who are in the Senate. So my question for you is, being a Bible-believing Christian and believing that, mm-hmm. how do you stand with people who call themselves Christians but don't actually represent Christian values in how they vote, but they claim to? By trying to change that from the inside. Got it. You can't. It goes back to what I said. True power is a seat at all the tables, not just one or the other. Mm-hmm. So if I want, if I see Democrats are ignoring black folks, but I see on the Republican side black folks are invisible, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over here and I'm going to say, okay, when y'all lost this race, what was the margin? What was the margin of black folks that could have voted in that race? Now, so so I'm going to look at it from the inside out to be able to show you what you could have been picking up and how things could have changed. And then talk about how you actually speak to people by speaking to their needs and the policies and the issues. But that doesn't happen on the outside. That happens from understanding and then trying to change hearts and minds. You can't always do that from the outside. Greg, so my goal yep. is to do that from the inside. We Greg, don't need a uh, 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 Greg Carr, you want to, um, you've been waiting a way in. No, no, I'm just sitting here. I, I, in fact, I really you know, could have very easily said nothing because I think, you know, the distance between fantasy and real politics is what we're talking about right now. Um, You know, when the results come in with this election in Georgia, it'll be clear that the overwhelming majority of white evangelicals will have voted for a man that has paid for serial terminations of pregnancies because they believe that he will help the white nationalists in the federal legislature 
uh, get one step closer to executing a national ban on abortion. That's a theocracy. That's a theocracy. Let's be very clear about this. This isn't about politics. We're not talking about imposing our will on other people. Wherever we come down on the question of a woman's right to choose, I don't know that anybody would say that they should be able to tell other people what they should choose. Now, if that's the case, then yeah, we're talking about a Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is an avowed white Christian nationalist. Now, you know, in Wisconsin, I mean, I would ask uh, Representative Carter out of Louisiana, you know, why don't you have an infrastructure in Louisiana? And and I agree with uh, my sister Tiff. I mean, at the end of the day, the Democratic Party takes black people for, 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 for granted. However, the answer, as she said, is not going to the right because we're not talking about principles. We're not talking about culture. We're talking about power. And Ron Johnson, this ghoul, who is about to be returned to the federal legislature, is going to be hell-bent to destroy Social Security, privatize it, privatized Medicare. And uh, last I checked, that's not a Christian value. So when somebody can't be uh, healed, somebody can't get health care because the white nationalists in this country are thoroughly committed to a pro- to a program, not only of white supremacy, but they are beholden to the corporate interests who don't care anything about race as long as they get their profits. Those tax cuts, the money I pay out of my check every two weeks is not going to be given to the tune of a billion dollars being held hostage to the state of Georgia for Medicare. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but let's be very clear. We're not talking philosophy. Let's get down to the policy we're talking about. So people think their values voters have returned to the to the state house in Atlanta, a man who has refused to expand Medicaid a billion dollars of our tax money not going to people in Georgia who claim to be Christians but might have a foot cut off because of diabetes or can't get their blood pressure medicine or can't go to a trauma center because the white nationalists have declared that they don't give a damn about human beings. Finally, I'll just end with this because, again, I didn't have to say anything because it's just absurd to me the difference between idealism and the reality. The real politic of the moment is this. The very same people who would say they can't vote for a black person no matter how hard you try to win their hearts or minds, there are ballot initiatives all over this country right now. Do you know right now in uh, South Dakota, they're going to vote for Medicaid expansion, but they're going to put back in the state house a white nationalist. Somebody on the quote unquote right explained to me how the same white people who will not vote for Democrats because they are communists and CRT and all the rest of that stuff will, when they understand the policy value vote for things like expanding Medicaid, but won't give power to the people who at least are in a party that are trying to push for the types of social programs that would benefit them. Is somebody explaining that to me other than racism? Deanna and Shannon, y'all want to take a shot? You know, I, you know um, I think I'm highly confused and I'll openly admit, and I, when when you say that we are talking about things that are not real, and and when values voters actually vote for issues like pro-life issues, and so for me, and I'm not a I'm not a one-issue voter, but I will say that for me, the okay. issue of whether or not what lives within a woman's womb is actually a life, to me, that is enough. That's like that's as real as diabetes and someone having their foot amputated like that like the actual those real life 
humans living in woman's in, in the womb of a, of a woman, to me, that is as real as the not. And I agree with Shannon in that at, on the right side of the aisle, Christians, and I count myself one, we need to hold our party accountable for um, for votes and values that do not line up with with the things that we support. And so Shannon and I, and I know Shannon well, she's vocal and she's outspoken about these things. And so on the right side of the aisle, we as, as black Americans, we as Christians, we as people um, who, um, who value life and who, who respect humanity, yes, we need to be vocal on the, on the right. But I would argue that on the left, the same is true. And so I'm not like, I, I refuse to be, um, to, um, to be made to uh, be the, like our, because we vote for conservatives or Republicans, every single thing that they do is great. Absolutely not. But, but I'm certain that on the left, you can't tick down the list and say ev that you support everything that, that your candidates on the left um, vote for either. So for me, and, and this is something that is without question, for me, my values match most uh, without question, uh, conservative values. So I have no problem with that, but I do have a problem with this idea that, that I have to agree with every single thing that Republicans do. And I do have a problem with this idea that, um, that somehow I am disconnected from the black community or, um, reality, because I think that there should be blacks advocating for blacks in the conservative movement and in the Republican party. Tiffany, I think uh, Tiffany, you wanted to go ahead and um, um, hop in there. And make a, yeah, why, I'm, I'm enjoying y'all conversation. Let me eat this cupcake. What are you I'm doing eating? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm eating a red velvet cake. Who cupcake. First of all, that's what happened when your ass moved to California. You should have kept your ass in D.C. But you want to go to L.A. But go ahead and make your little comment. Yes, and y'all, it's, it's, it's a black caterer who did our food. Uncle Roland said so, make your little comment. Now, you know when black people put little in front of anything. Hey, Lil. No, I, I didn't say little. I said Lil. I said Lil. <laughs> Lil comment. You didn't even me, give it a two team. Lil. So go on let ahead. Go, go, let, let me, me enjoy my cupcake. Go ahead and make your comment. Go ahead. Let me Mo say this. Mo what you want? Money. Whether or not you are right or you are left in this moment is actually irrelevant to me since there are people in this panel and maybe even in the space that do not believe that women should have the autonomy what they're going to do with their own bodies. So, yes, we have a mutual problem. You don't like everything your party do, and I don't like everything the party that I'm assigned to does. Mm -hmm. But what I am clear on is that some of us in this space are not even on the same team, even though we are black people. I do not believe, because I'm a, I am a Christian inclusivist, I do not believe that my Christian values should become the policy that determines how everybody in America should live. I don't believe there, that either. There are other people in this country. I don't believe that at all. I do not believe that my Christian values should dictate what anyone does. And I and I make and, it a point. And that's not I'm what either one of us is saying. When I, when I make a both very clear. Both of y'all said that. I am no, ma'am. No, ma'am. You need to listen to me. Both of y'all said that abortion rights mm -mm. and mm -mm. pro-life was just important as diabetes. So I'm trying Hold to Hold up. Can't nobody hear nobody talking. So it, Tiffany, Tiffany, you're going to go for 30 seconds then Shannon, then Deanna. I'm going to pull in Reverend Jeff Carr, uh, but go on right ahead. Tiffany, go. I, I 30 do, seconds. I can do this in 10 seconds like I, like I did last night. 
If last time was under- 10 seconds. Help me understand. Help me understand why you made the comparison between being pro-life and diabetes as policy and decision and values that we are making as black people in the elections. We're talking about elections and people well, voting. I named it, Why'd you make I, the com- comparison? Deanna, go. I specifically made that analogy because um, Mr. Carr mentioned diabetes and and the, mor- the moral um, decision to not support um, expansions that would help people with diabetes. So to me, I made that comparison. But as that, but as it relates to my faith, like our house, we we operate under a pro-life model, right? But I don't believe that, I, and I do that because I believe, as a Christian, that is my belief. But I should not take my belief, my faith belief, in the public square and force other people to live out my. But faith your party belief. does that. But your no, party. But I believe it is science for me. I believe that if, at, and I want to have open, legitimate, fair conversations about life. And for me, at I want to be clear about what lives inside of a woman's womb. And at some point, I believe... I don't what, believe let me, your party's you job if you other, so with other women's Hold on, hold on, Tiffany, Tiffany, hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Deanna, you got 20 seconds. You win a minute. Okay. You got 20 seconds. I'm going to let Shannon speak. I'm going to pull in Reverend Carr, and then I'm going to wrap this up because I'm going over to the, the wild bunch over there. So for me... If at any point we as a community community can decide that what lives inside of a woman's womb is actually a life, I believe it's a life at conception. I know most people don't, but at some point, what is in a woman's womb is actually a human being. And if it is, in fact, a human being, then it deserves a voice and it deserves to be protected. And so the science says at some point it's a human being. And so I don't argue this from my standpoint as a Christian. I argue it from science and and. I don't believe we should kill humans. So that's so that's where I come to this point of view. And um, you know, again, my faith is hugely important to me, but I don't believe that I should force it on anyone. All right, Shannon. Just did. So to be clear, to straighten it out and, con- and remove some of the confusion, when you believe that you, when you are a Christian and you have your your beliefs, if you believe the whole Bible, one of the things that you don't do is try and browbeat or convince people. My job is to plant a seed. Whether you pick it up and water it is your business. You're going to deal with that with whoever you believe in when you get wherever you're going. So that's not my job. My job is to make sure that you have all the information you need on both sides to make an informed decision on whatever the issue may be. That's number one. Now, number two, where Deanna equated the, the, the what's in a woman's womb to the diabetes and the foot amputation was her, her correlation that they are all medical issues that need to be addressed in a scientific matter. Now, when we go back to Medicaid, let me ask you a question. Why are we sitting here talking about expanding Medicaid, which is the bottom of the scale, instead of talking about some actual medical equity so that we can have equal care and don't nobody got to think about cutting off nothing? Well, for, well, well, actually, because the Republican Party largely was against the Affordable Care Act, which played a crucial role in decreasing the number of African Americans and others who have health insurance. And then, and one of the reasons we're talking about Medicaid expansion, because it was in those same red states where they actually were vehemently opposed to it. Just like you have Mississippi, who was, where they were the ones who put forth uh, the abortion bill, which led to the Dobbs decision. And then there was a story that came out that as a result of the Dobbs decision, 
additional 5,000 children are going to be born in Mississippi on an annual basis, and the Mississippi healthcare system is grossly unprepared for the birth of 5,000 children. And so when I make the point about the Republicans, and I hear you, Deanna, and I hear you, Shannon, being pro-life, pro-life and anti-abortion are two separate things. I believe the Republican Party is largely an anti-abortion party and not a pro-life party because you cannot be a pro-life party and you stand in the way of health care. You cannot be a pro-life party and stand in the way of Medicaid expansion. You cannot be a pro-life party when you're unwilling to address uh, the infant mortality rates and the black number of black women who are dying in childbirth. You look at <clears throat> the lack of of midwives uh, and OBGYNs in the state of Mississippi. And so if we're going to have a pro-life conversation, then I'm going to need Republicans and conservatives, to be honest, to say something when somebody who's unarmed gets shot and killed by a cop because ain't that life. And so we can have a pro-life conversation or an anti-abortion conversation, but I will never correlate the two. Reverend Jeff Carr, Reverend Jeff Carr, you now have the floor. What we're witnessing right now, and, and let me pause to say that this is in no way ad hominem. So if you throw a rock up and it hits into the crowd, it's only going to hit, only the hit person's going to holler. So please, I don't want anybody to take this personally, apply what applies, and uh, leave alone what doesn't. But to borrow my double brother, both biological and uh, fraternity, one of his sayings is, let's be clear about this. I was raised in a Baptist church. I was teaching vacation Bible school when I was 12 years old. I got ordained in the ministry in the Baptist church 21 years ago. I also traveled to Kemet under Dr. Yosef Ben-Yakin and got initiated into the ancient craft of priesthood when I was in my 20s. I studied with the Lakota tradition and got initiated into the sacred sciences of the sweat lodge. And I've pulled together an interfaith ministry that brings everyone to the table, regardless of their race, their color, their background, their religious tradition, or their beliefs. I also am a father. My wife and I have five children. We have midwives in the room. I have caught the children in my own hands and cut the cord while my own mother was in the corner praying them through. All of that said, I would never, as a man, regardless of what beliefs I have, Vote for any policy that denies a woman the right to do whatever she chooses to do with her body, because I have the right to do what I want to do with my body. When we're talking about beliefs, that's one thing. But belief is often something that exists in the absence of provable fact. That's why spiritual practice to me is more important. Spiritual practice allows us to expand and say, regardless of our beliefs, are we really willing to impose our personal beliefs on other people in a country that is supposed to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. I say no. If you want to practice personal beliefs, practice them and enjoy the freedom that we have to practice them. But you do not have the right, none of us, myself included, to impose my personal beliefs and codify it into a law so that it takes away the rights of other people to choose what they want to do in a free and open society. Those are the people who talk about pro-life but are also anti-abortion and who want to restrict other people. Many of them have never sat in the seat that I've sat in where I've had to counsel young people, young women in particular, who have been raped, who have been molested, 
who have been abused, many of them in a so-called religious environment and have to live with a pregnancy because the church elders and the church leaders bring them before people and humiliate them without even having a conversation about the associate minister or the youth pastor who abused them. This gives us a chance. When we talk about policy, we begin to talk about giving ourselves equity and freedom. So while we have respect for life and human rights, it is hypocritical for us to then move toward any space politically or culturally that creates a theocracy. If the Muslim community, if the Hindu community were talking about doing the same thing in America, we would cry heresy. So if we proclaim ourselves to be whatever our faith tradition is, we cannot fall into a space where we want to impose our personal beliefs through law on other people. That is not a true democracy. And although it's aspirational in America right now, it is not something that we want to go into. It's not a road we want to travel down. It's dangerous. And that's what I have to say about that space. We're talking about belief versus policy. And as Sister Tiffany has outlined, these young people are not going for it. They're looking at how policy affects them. The entire night's conversation has been about how do we find our way forward in this space that we call America. That is going to require all sides. It is going to require all conversations, conversations that are uncomfortable. It is going to require independent funding. It is going to require independent thinking. And it is going to require us not being demagogues, not being sycophants, and not being people who are willing to give up our lumbar spine and open a portal so that other people, whether they're corporations or political parties, can insert their political arms and work us like puppet masters have in this United States of America. I need a microphone. So here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, <laughs> cut the commercial. All right, so here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, it's gonna be 30 seconds, final comments, uh, and then I'm going- Well, Word. We, all right. Okay. Well, fine. well, fine. I'm going to the other side of the room then. Uh, uh, first of all, uh, Deanna, you want your 30 seconds? Go. Starting right now. Go. Um, God bless you, but my name is pronounced Dina. You've always. Sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. Look. I'm look. It's it's eight. Is 25 people in the studio. I know. So go I ahead. Know. Go ahead. Go, girl. You taking okay. your time. Okay. <laughs> I am. I appreciate what the Reverend said, and I want to say again that. Um, I am not basing my, my opinions on abortion on my, my biblical worldview in the public square. We need to look at the science. And I believe that if, in fact, what lives inside of a woman's womb is actually a human at any point, then that human must be protected. And yes, that may mean that a Got it. Okay, Tiffany, I would love to meet. We had no, 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 no. That was, that, first of all, that wasn't even Tiffany. That's folks in the studio here. Okay, you got no, I'm talking about Tiffany. Oh, yeah. I was, okay, I all right. Saying uh, nothing, but I was saying. Okay, all right. Okay, I, first of all, okay, actually, time's up. Shannon, go. So, first of all, I, I didn't come up with the topic of abortion. Like I said, my job, I, I think what I think, people are entitled to what they think. It is not my job to change anybody's mind. Their makeup will do that when they get wherever they're going. But, but as far as here, if we can't stop arguing amongst ourselves to realize that we have some things that we actually need to be working on, in four years, we're going to be having the same daggone conversations. 
a conversation, the topic was brought up of Medicaid. And again, I say, if we're really going to organize apparatus and we're really going to develop systems to be able to move the needle and get people to vote, why are we looking at the bottom, Medicaid? Why are we not looking at medical equity? So, and before anybody says, well, you know, that's easy to say, you're a Republican in this next. I'm a Republican who is married to a Republican who's trying to find a kidney donor because he needs a transplant. So when I look at the medical industry right about now, I'm not looking at it from a political perspective. I am looking at it from a people perspective. Expanding Medicaid in that scope is not the answer. Actually closing the gap of medical equity is. Um, dealing with prescription drug prices, and we know which party wanted to roll that back. I mean, I mean, look, we got look, we we can we can talk about all we want to, but we've got to also deal with some facts on where folks are actually voting in parties. Shannon, Dina, Tiffany, uh, Jeff, Greg, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much uh, for joining us. Uh, I'm about to go to the other side of the room while I'm doing that, folks. Uh, the race in Georgia. Uh, as uh, give me one second, let me try to pull this up here. Uh, Senator Raphael Warnock is back in the lead in Georgia. Uh, he is moving closer uh, to. Give me some full race results. Give me a second. Don't go to my iPad just yet. Uh, so right now, uh, it is 92% of the votes are in. Uh, Senator Raphael Warnock, go to my iPad, please. Uh, is at 49.36% uh, with 1.884 million votes. Herschel Walker is at 1.85 million. Uh, again, Warnock is so again 92%. Warnock is trying to get to 50.1%. If he gets to 50.1%, there is not going to be a runoff there. Uh, and so we're still checking to see where these votes uh, are coming from. And so we're watching that. Uh, in the Pennsylvania race, uh, Fetterman is leading there as well. Uh, uh, Senator Ron Johnson has about uh, a 75,000 uh, vote lead there uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, and the thing that, uh, first of all, we're joined by Lauren Victoria Burke, uh, NNPA, uh, and of course, uh, everybody else has already been here. Uh, so, 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 so here's the thing, we, we, we were talking about, again, black voters earlier, Lauren, and Milwaukee is a perfect example. Um, you had 2018, 176,000 folks who voted on the governor's race. Uh, and then, of course, it went for 200,000, 214,000. This year, they're under 200,000. Uh, only 176,000 actual votes uh, in Milwaukee. Uh, it's a perfect, it's a per now, I don't know what the hell happened in Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether or not anybody paid any attention. But if you are a, if you are a Democrat, and you're trying to win a U.S. Senate race in Wisconsin, you need to maximize Milwaukee. And if, Mil <clears throat> if only 176,000 folks are voting in Milwaukee, somebody do what, doing their damn job. How about that? Well, all the attention went to Fetterman, Pennsylvania, over and over again, and not places like North Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Carolina, as you have previously But Mandela Ball has raised, raised, has raised a ton of yeah, ton of money. That's right. If you're, well, again, if your bonds a black man running, you got to maximize Milwaukee. Oh, I know. I, it, people make these weird tactical errors that nobody can figure out for these elections. I cannot figure out. We're looking at race by race and seeing that, for example, the House is close, close enough that Kevin McCarthy is not going to be able to have control of the situation. But really, the entire night is a referendum and not paying attention to the polls, yeah. not paying attention mm. to these media narratives that turn out to be nonsense tonight. Right. Now mm. we're finding right. out that the House is way closer than it should have been. Right. That, of course, Sherry Beasley, as we had all been talking about on this show a million times, should have been helped out and was not. I mean, we didn't, she didn't even get a Biden visit or an Obama visit, which is like the typical which standard was, thing. Yeah. She didn't even get that. And it makes absolutely no sense. When you're playing on a map, you know the Senate's 50-50. You only really needed two votes. If you took, if you had North Carolina, you wouldn't have to have worried about Fetterman. You wouldn't have to worry about all these other things. Right. Carrie Lake is going down hard. That's another. Right. That's Praise another the media, Lord. Media, yeah. Another right. media creation. Exactly. Yeah. But, 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 but about Carrie that like yes. uh, over and over again. Right, and all these folks are like, oh, oh, here's the thing. Here's the thing that, again, is stupid to me. Obama wins North Carolina, North Carolina by 14,100 votes <laughs> in 2008. Unbelievable. They lose in 2012. They lose in 2016. They lose in 2020. Uh, he's black. <laughs> Beasley's black. You might want, and, and here's the other deal. This is just me. I, look, I know he busy doing Netflix documentaries and podcasts and shit. But I'm sorry. You don't just do a rally in the final week of the campaign. How about you do one in September mm-hmm. and you come back the next month yep. and do one then? I, 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 like, I really don't understand. the And how, how the hell you not seeing it? Ha- 
Kamala Harris, North Carolina. Listen, to an HBCU. Come on. This is one of the challenges. You know, this is indictment. Oh, wait, 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 hold up. Can't have the people talking. I said, I'm a Congo. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna go here. Go. This is one of the challenges that we have. We can't keep talking about supporting black women and uplifting black women's voices if we're not gonna do it where and when it counts. Right. You, you know, you had the sister who was doing this from the beginning, and you talk about people coming in late, you know, to the game. You, they should have been there from beginning to end. But again, all night we've been talking about this. People are not listening to black voices. No, yeah, but, but also, because, I mean, I got, I got some receipts there, too. <laughs> All right, but here's the here's the thing. I, I think that when we talk about going into, I'm just saying. I I can tell you, I've been I, personally I talking to the candidate for eight months, saying we'll bring the show, we'll come in. I went to Raleigh. You talking about Bar who? Are you talking about Beasley? Beasley. Oh, Beasley. Oh, okay. Yeah. He the same. He didn't want you to come. They no. They never. They never. I, I literally got a phone call, October 23rd. Hey, uh, let, let's do something. My campaign be reaching out. They reach out, hey, he tries to set up an interview. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, and then I lay out what, what it entails. Never heard back. Wow. And I'm telling you, Reverend, I, look, Reverend Barber was very frustrated there as well. He, here's what happened. I'm telling you what happened there. White consultants yep. were running her campaign. Mm -hmm. They act, no, 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 no. We don't really Ooh, want yeah, to play black. up this too black thing. Ooh, too black. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, te I'm telling y'all what happened. Again, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Folks, folks don't want they, folk don't want me to start pulling out receipts, <laughs> showing timestamp text messages. This is what we have to take from tonight. You said this, Rebecca's alluded to it. Uh, you know, we've alluded to it a couple of times. These posters. That whole thing you mentioned about Cornell Belcher and the people he trained making more money than him, I didn't know that. It kind of, it kind of blew my mind, but it makes sense. If these people are not going to start listening to black voices and black posters, you can forget 2024. Because one thing I just, I re we're realizing tonight, especially when it comes to these governor races, the Republicans, they've gotten the governor prototype with the DeWines, with the DeSantis, with the Kemp. They realize the lakes and the types are not going to take governor's races. So they, are, they don't even need Trump in 2024. Right. If they just right. get a bunch of Kemp DeSantis types and everything. So people Ooh. are going to start trying to go to Tim Ryan route and not pay attention to black voices until it's too late. Black and brown voices. 2024 is a wrap. Look, Look, here's what has to happen, Eugene. And I'll be very clear. Black candidates mm -hmm. have got to operate as the CEO of their campaign. Yep. Yes. Right. Black yes. candidates. Yes. Black candidates mm -hmm. have got to say... Um, have y'all bought black on media? Yep. Mm -hmm. Who's coming in? Who's doing what? Who? That's so, that has to happen. But they purposely separate the black candidate from. from you just gonna sit over there and you just go do what you do. We're running this. So I mean, and, and I'm just gonna give people a real quick story. Um, in the Obama campaign, 2008, he was catching hell because of the lack of black black on media spend. They have a meeting. He says. We'd be buying black on media. I think it was Pluff in his book. It had a desk right in his book. <clears throat> Obama says do it. Him and Absarod after the meeting were like, we're not gonna do it. Oh, I've been in that. What? And did and did and, and, and didn't do it. Again, this is where black candidates mm -hmm. are going to have to say, after the election, my ass the one lose. Right. Y'all yeah. going to cash checks. Yep. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's we got two great examples from tonight, right? 
Well, Wes Moore did over the last 18 months is exactly that to a large degree. He wasn't supposed to win that primary. The whole world was betting on Peter Francho. That's Francho true. had the money. Francho Hold up, Francho, Tom Perez, Tom Perez. Perez. You know, Party, there was, there was yeah. a whole gang of Rashawn, even Rashawn Baker. So you know, but Wes Moore built out a black donor network. Right. He built out mm. black, uh, uh, you know, black media relationships. He literally treated his campaign the same way he treated the Robin Hood Foundation to a large degree. Mm. Um, and, and and we see we saw how that drove him through a primary that he was not supposed to win. Folk were looking at folk were looking at this race the same way they looked at Cardin and Fume 06. That was the conversation mm. conversation we were having every day. The second example, and this is a redemption story. You see what people don't know yeah. about the Cardin and Fume race. Uh, uh, and Fume was the one who was supposed to give that 2004 speech yes. at the Democratic National mm. Convention. Mm. Mm. No, that was, and Fume was supposed to give that speech to launch his campaign, but then it was the colored girls in the DNC who were like, look, Kerry, give it to, uh, give it to Obama. Obama. And so the thing is this. That mm. vaults Obama. That's what happened there. Just everybody who watching, I told y'all we know shit. <laughs> just case y'all, just let y'all know we know stuff. But go ahead. So the thing is this, right? So the sec second example that speaks to the point more poignantly, 2014, Anthony Robert Terry Anthony Brown messes up. Messes up. He does. He comes to his base is in Prince George's County. Um, before he was lieutenant governor, he was a delegate from PG County. All right. During his run, he does jack shit for right. black voters he, in Maryland. He assumed he assumed, he assumed he's going to yeah. get black he support. He assumed black support. He brings in both Barack and Michelle. You know, there's you know, at the same time, he get, he gets one of the rare joint dual visits, right? Right. right. Uh -huh. and, and and I mean, to the point where he took it so much for granted, to the point where he didn't show up to HBCUs. And his forms. and the black turnout yeah. was woeful. Well, well, and mm -hmm. he got and, drugged. And, and, and black crossover was was yeah. crazy as well. Right. Yeah. Because Hogan actually did the work. Yeah. You fast yeah. forward to 2022, eight years later, the campaign that Anthony Brown ran this cycle was dramatically different than the campaign he ran in 2014. Let me get your ass whooped. That's what you do. Look, Julian, look, look, this is real basic, okay? Look, I, I can't stand going to Home Depot and Lowe's, uh, but, but I understand basic-ass construction. And that is, and that okay. is here. This building falls down if the foundation is jacked up. Mm -hmm. Strong foundation, this building can stand for 100 years. You run a political campaign. If you are a black candidate, the first thing you do is you lock down your black base. Your base. Yeah. You lock down black sure. media, black churches, fraternities, <clears throat> sororities, every black group. You lock <laughs> them down. They call Fetterman. <laughs> Fetterman won. Oh, they call, they call that race. I guess somebody going back to New Jersey. <laughs> Right, he never left. But 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 that but 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 that's but that's the deal there. And I'm telling you, for the last eight months, I heard. I, I'm just gonna say this, and again, Beasley is wonderful. I talked to her directly. Her her press folk called me, y'all. This is no lie. Mm -hmm. Literally, called, first of all, it took us forever to get on the show. Mm -hmm. Call me. And she says, hey, I need information on your show and what's your reach? And I was literally like, <laughs> <laughs> You didn't say which, please? Is this no, I was like, I was like, White people. That's funny. You don't know. No, no, no. I think it was a sister. No, it wasn't no, a sister. No, 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 it could have been a sister. No, I'm trying to tell you. Uh, Carol, was that a sister? Carol, was that a sister? I, I, my earpiece not in. They said yeah. yeah. It was. <laughs> it was. And, was like, and I was like, you don't know who the hell you talking to? Right. 
No, again, I ain't, I ain't always trying to flex on folk, but if somebody tell you you need to take this phone call, but again, it's a, it's a perp. You got to know who the black folks you should be talking to. Right. And again, bringing folks in. And the crazy part is, I brought my show to North Carolina. Reverend Barber asked me to come in. He said, "Roll, we got all these black people who are running. If y'all, if y'all pull the tape, uh, pull the tape, 2020, when I was in Raleigh, Beasley was one of the candidates who was sitting right there. We were in a parking lot at an early mm. voting location. There were about eight or ten black candidates. We put them all on the show. I'm like, how did we do in 2020? And your folks don't no. bring us in. And I offered. Well, Roland. For eight months. Roland, I'm telling you, this on. is a... First of all, <laughs> the, tonight was an indictment of democratic ignorance. Democrats who do not understand how to do their work. In the places where they lost, but the places where they won, guess what? They played smart politics and locked down the base. And and that's the other thing. Yes. Anti-black black black people. We talk about anti-blackness a lot, but there are black people, and I'm not dissing Sherry Beasley particularly, but the people around her, if that was a sister who called you... I'm trying to tell you. She needs needs help. Um, Seriously, and again, I'm not dissing her. I'm just saying... If you know the black community, you know how to do this work. But when black people run away from themselves, and so many black Mm -hmm. folks want to try, I don't want to be too black. Well, what is too black? I don't want to offend any white people. Mm -hmm. Bluff white people. I said bluff, y'all. So so, I'm going to bring it. No, no, so I'm I'm, 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 I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you, you, but see, Rand, I want to bring you in here. Because really, that sounds just like the DEI conversations we had. I'm like popping over here. Because it's sort of the same thing. Because I'm telling you, the mm-hmm. biggest obstacles that we have had in dealing with corporations, with advertising, <laughs> has been the black people mm-hmm. in the corporations. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like, and we like, I'm in something means like, will you shut your ass up? <laughs> like, can you stop talking? Right. You know, and, 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 and staying in the way. And, and again, what, what I'm saying is, I, I believe looking at these places where they lost, I think, after, I think tomorrow, Thursday, Friday, some folk gonna need to get cussed out. Yes. And I'm telling you, there's gonna have to be hardcore going to the mat saying, no, nah, we ain't playing this in 2024. Right. Yep. yep. Well, I, I think that uh, some black people have worked so hard to be the acceptable black to get mm-hmm. to the point yep. that The magical Negro. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. They have literally lost themselves. And they don't trust themselves anymore. Mm-hmm. Because I have actually sat in rooms where I see white people talk about blackness with intelligence, and the black person's just sitting there. And I'm like, you literally are taking this white person as an expert <laughs> on who you are, right. right? And the white person will sit and tell you, no, you don't need to advertise there. This is what we need to do. And I'm like, I don't know who this white person is, but what I do know is that they're not black, right? And so we we lose our way. Like, we we lose confidence in even who we are exactly. because we have muzzled ourselves for so long trying to make it that we forget to listen to our own voices. Mm-hmm. When you talk about listening to the voices of black people, listen to your own daggone black mm-hmm. voice. There you go. Rebecca, look, I, I, look, I, I, look I, I get it when you're trying to run a statewide race. Mm-hmm. The reality is this here. The last election, 72% of the total electorate were white voters. Mm-hmm. The reality is you need white votes to win. That's just a fact. Oh, yeah. But the, real, but the other reality is this here, as I keep saying, if you maximize your black numbers, Obama does not win North Carolina if he does not maximize right. black turnout. There is no way in the world a black woman running for a Senate, U.S. Senator in North Carolina, okay, Harvey Gantt couldn't cross that threshold when he ran against Jesse Helms 
and they use every racist attack against him. Right. And running against this person here, again, I can't wait to, to break apart, you know, the, the different precincts and the areas, but, but the reality is this here. We're talking about a state with a lot of black people, right. and sure. I did not see a very overt campaign that was very black specific to maximize the black turnout in North Carolina for Beasley. And I, don't, I, I just don't quite understand what their strategies were doing. And you were talking about you got to have uh, black campaign managers mm -hmm. uh, yes. and, and, and African American positions with authority to make calls. Right. You know, Rose, she lost Hold on, wait, 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 wait. But just 3%, it was just a 3% margin. That's all I want to say. It's yeah, but no, 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 but no, I don't look at percent. It was 140,000 votes. Yeah. So, so my whole deal is I want to look at where, where the votes where, were. Where, where That's where my, my, my deal is at because, again, I want to know number of black people who are registered, number of black people who are, uh, who are eligible, and who voted and who didn't vote, and they maximized numbers. North Carolina has more HBCUs than any other state. Ten. No, so Texas. My, so my, North, North Carolina, Carolina and Texas both have ten. Right, but North Carolina, it, 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 North Carolina has the largest. Ever? My whole deal is, are you hitting, those, are you hitting <laughs> those numbers? Go. So I'm a former campaign manager. And when I look at the Beasley race, and when I look at the Barnes race, I have so many questions. Mm -hmm. in, 2012, mm -hmm. in 2012, I ran a black man for Congress in Omaha, Nebraska, my hometown. He, all, he won hands down in the primary, almost beat a, a seven-term seven um, Republican incumbent. But here's the thing that happened. I was this campaign manager. Listen, I anticipated <laughs> there was going to be some outright racial attacks sure. that was going to happen. It wasn't just because I'm black and have a black daddy and have a lot of black <laughs> men in my life. I'm running a right. black man in, in Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Right. In Nebraska. Right. So we were prepared when there was someone who spray painted the N-word in a house where there was a yard sign for him in the yard. We were prepared, and we also used that moment to make sure that his Republican opponent didn't make racist the issue later on because we held him to the fire we made him apologize repudiate refute any type of racism so when i saw what happened with barnes and wisconsin mm -hmm. i'm asking myself why weren't they prepared right. why wasn't this on their radar because you know you have a black man he's going to be attacked racially so why aren't you prepared for and, when they, that and they went after him joe in a huge way on the crime issue, right. on defund the police, and we saw what happened with the shootings in Wisconsin. Right. Again, you should have been prepared for it. Uh, and and I think one of the things that happened, I remember, uh, I might, might have been I had a conversation with Beasley. Uh, that was an appearance, uh, and it was I, I forgot whether it was on my show or someone else. And everything was about the issue of crime, issue of crime. And I, and and I, when I heard it, I knew she was talking with the, the strategies we're saying. And I said to her, I said, I get you trying to not stand with defund the police. I said, but you cannot talk this issue and not say there has to be police accountability. Yeah. I said, if you don't, you're basically telling young, young voters, young black voters, like, I ain't talking to you. Right. It's right. one of those things <laughs> yeah, that right. you got to be able to say, yes, I, yes. We should we, we should we should fund. Yes, we need more training, but there also has to be accountability into right. this system for wrongdoing. And again, I think what Democrats did at the last election, they got acted such a fool. Oh my God, who was the woman in Florida, Lauren, who kept acting a fool about? Oh, I almost lost because of defunding police. No, you ran a <laughs> shitty campaign. Right. That's right. what you actually did. Right. But if you don't discuss <laughs> a, accountability, it's a whole swath of voters who are like. Uh, in fact. 
Ryan. Ryan ran an ad. Mm. This is what happened in Ohio. Tim Ryan runs an ad right. saying, I voted against Obama and the trade deal. Right. Guess right. what black people in, the, uh, in Ohio heard? They didn't hear trade. They said they voted against Obama. Bro, I talked to a prominent black elected official whose daddy said, don't have that some bitch call me. Right. All he heard was, <laughs> I voted against yeah. Obama. That's right. That's right. And so it's one of those things where, and, and get, I get why Ryan said it. Right. Okay. He's in a red state. Right. But right. But like, you think you're appealing to them to them blue collar right. voters? But guess what? Them black right. people are like, oh. Okay, we heard you too. You can't swim in another pond and forget about what you know. This is why black campaign managers and people, black folks in campaigns with authority is really important. Right, yes. We've had right. to survive in corporate America with a whole lot of people that don't look like us. We had to survive in elementary school sometimes. <laughs> or in class, extra class, Y class, E. The yeah. game is the same. Okay, now I'm running for office. I understood that. I ran for office in the small town Redlands that I live in. They weren't quite ready for us yet. We haven't had a black city councilman in 120 years. But I scared the hell out of the guy that ended up winning. And I knew what to do when he did his race thing, which he was going to do. I was out riding with the fire department. That's what I did. And they supported me. <laughs> so I say that to say, you can't, if you're Mandela Barnes, or if you're a, a black candidate, you have to have enough ownership in your campaign to say, I know they're going to do this because they did this. They've been doing right. this for years. Exactly. And so therefore, not just looking to the corner, but looking around it, I'm going to decide, here's how I'm going to handle this. And listen, you, you know, white, professional, you know, your friend, you do what you do on the campaign or whatever else. I know this issue. It's my campaign. This is how we gonna handle this, because at the end of the day, my name's on the ballot, and it's gonna go up and down with me anyway. You ain't gonna win without me. You know, here's what I thought yeah, was, was interesting, Brandon. I had some folks who said, um, I'm on this group chat, and they were like, um, North Carolina race should be getting lots more attention. And then somebody said, well, no, actually it's great is undercover. And I was like, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, so, again, so you, this, is, this is one of those things. And again, I'm, I'm just throwing out here, prominent black entertainer in North Carolina, Fantasia, Anthony Hamilton. Um, I can go, who moved? Uh, I think Bramford Marsalis moved to Charlotte. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Yep. Michael Jordan. I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I I the last three weeks, I saw Kerry Washington right. down yes. in Georgia mm -hmm. right. at homecoming there. Um, I saw a number of folks mm -hmm. down there. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting here wondering. I'm sitting here wondering. I, I, I do not recall an effort of having prominent black entertainers See, going to North Carolina. What it is is white consultants in these campaigns. Right. I'm telling you. Not well, it is black people sometimes, but what, usually it's white consultants who are afraid to have their candidate look too black.
That's what That's it is. Mm -hmm. They don't want to piss off white voters. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Zumo play. With looking too black. But here's the whole deal. But 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 black like this or black like that. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. Hold up. Young white voters will come out for the black artists that support the black people. But here's the other deal. Yeah. White folks going to give you a pass if you go to the HBCU with the black people. No, I know. All right, you with your people. I'm, yeah, I'm, again, I'm just... I'm, authenticity. I'm, voters right. want authenticity. That's right. If they feel like you are hiding yourself, right. they're going to hide their vote. Exactly mm -hmm. right. Exactly. And you're not going to stand for their issues. Which you know, would be obvious. Right. You can't even be black during the campaign. How are you going to be black when you do policy? Oh, I want to bring so, in. Uh, I want to yeah. bring in uh, Robert Patillo. Robert Patillo, of course, Rainbow Push Coalition, Peach Tree Street Project. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I did not. I missed Melina Abdullah. Uh, we had her, uh, and I should leave at one o'clock. Uh, we are going over time. My apologies, um, uh, Robert. Uh, you're there in Georgia. We're still looking at uh, the race here, where Warnock has gone ahead. Uh, let me do a refresher uh, here to see if the numbers have changed. It was at 92%. Now it's at 95%. Uh, Warnock has is he's now inching. He's now at 49.42%. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Robert, is there a possibility he can get to 50.1? Uh, do we know what these outstanding ballots are in Georgia? Uh, absolutely, Roland. It looks like most uh, to about 20% of the ballots in Fulton County have not been counted yet, and around 20% of the ballots uh, there in Clayton County. So it's like whoa, 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 whoa. You said 20% of the ballots in Fulton? Yeah, have not been counted and yet. And 20% so in Clayton? Uh, not, not Clayton, but Cobb County, rather, uh, have not been counted yet. So those are both going to be strong Democratic counties. Uh, there is a strong chance of uh, Senator Warnock will pull this out without a runoff. Uh, now, now, he has to get to 50.1, not 51, correct? Correct. He has, to, he has to have any number over 50%. So being at 49.4% currently, uh, if, you, if you pull out another 20,000-ish votes... County, uh, in addition to what comes in from some other larger met or larger cities, such as Columbus, Macon, Augusta, where normally those votes come in a little bit later, um, probably by tomorrow afternoon, once we get everything in, we should know the final vote tally. But there is a decent chance of Senator Warnock uh, pulling this out without a runoff. Um, Stacey Abrams uh, lost by 300,000 votes. What happened? Uh, well, I think it's a, a confluence of things. One, the same issue that you discussed, uh, that the panel was discussing, um, the lack of having a homegrown indigenous talent running that campaign, I think, put her behind the eight ball uh, from the beginning, that because you were running basically a California campaign in Georgia, um, you ended up with a, uh, a, a ground campaign that took several months to get on its feet, uh, as opposed to having the full six-month run-up to uh, uh, to get in position. I think also you have a governor, Governor Kemp, uh, who was riding a very strong wave of being the anti-Trump Republican, of not being like Herschel Walker, uh, where they're seen as being a, an obsequious sync, uh, sycophant to the president, but rather standing up for those values. We've seen or Governor Kemp reach out to the hip-hop community, reach out to HBCUs, um, pass a lot of criminal justice reform bills that many people have asked for, uh, governing more as a moderate than a hardcore MAGA like DeSantis or Abbott. Uh, I think that contributed towards it. And then I think, of course, you have to... Um, uh, look at some of the inbuilt problems within the campaign when it comes to messaging. I think uh, starting the culture war argument in the middle of September about whether or not black men were voting uh, did not help her go, uh, with the black male vote. I think at that same time, they should have been concentrating on getting many of those suburban white women uh, who have uh, still voted for Kemp at probably a 60-plus per, 60 percent rate. Those were the voters she needed to be going after. I think that when we got into this whole uh, culture war argument about were black men voting, was it misogyny, was sexism, uh, where black men misinformed or the victims of disinformation, I think that that distracted campaign from actually focusing on Kemp and the issues with his campaign, and that led to the difference we saw. Well, here's what's interesting. Um, uh, Greg Carr just sent this to me. Uh, Michael Harriet posted this. According to exit polls, Abrams had more support from black men than Dems had nationwide. In fact, if every single black male Kemp voter had voted for Abrams instead, she would have lost. Turns out the black male voter problem was a lie. It was white voters. It always is. That's what uh, Michael Harriet tweeted. It was that's absolutely accurate. The, the entire time that we started this argument back and forth about why aren't black men voting, it was completely a, a made-up narrative. In reality, it is those suburban white women that when you're talking about these issues, such as the Dobbs decision, which we, they thought was going to be motivating white women to vote, at the end of the day, they still realize that they benefit from a lot of white privilege. So when it comes to crime, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to inflation, they still will stick by um, the Republican Party. So I think instead of having this month-long 
distraction about whether or not black men were voting, the concentration should have been making sure those swing Republican, or not Republican, those swing suburban white female voters, that they were counting on the deficit to bring it over, making sure that they were actually mobilized. In the, uh, and I think that would have made up a large portion of that gap. Uh, Greg Carr, uh, when we look at, again, uh, it was all of this talk, all of this talk, red wave, red wave. As we look at uh, these various races here, uh, I am uh, trying to go to, so here's a perfect example, Greg, uh, and we're still waiting uh, Arizona, but right now, go to my iPad, uh, it'll show in Arizona, 50% um, of the votes are in uh, Hobbs. Katie Hobbs is leading with 55.9% of the vote, uh, and uh, Carrie Lake uh, is leading uh, as 44.1%. Uh, if you listen to all of these crazies, all we kept <laughs> hearing about how uh, all the, the media narrative, and, and, and this is where it's real dangerous, uh, and I tell people all the time, this is why people got to stop watching a lot of this crap, these mainstream media networks. Uh, they were hyping this thing up. Oh, my goodness, Carrie Lake is going to drag Blake Masters over the finish line. Oh, my goodness, the amount of attention that she was getting. In fact, Greg, uh, let me show you this here is a perfect example. I mean, this is the level of hype that we were hearing. We were hearing about how, uh, again, oh, my God, how uh, Blake Masters was doing so well. Now, mind you, it's still 53% of the vote is in. He is getting his ass whooped. <laughs> Mark Kelly has 57% of the vote. Blake Masters has 40.7% of the vote. That's an <laughs> ass whooping. Uh, and, and again, uh, and we know how typically elections go, that ain't Democrat counties that uh, those votes are in. And so we'll see what happens when it gets to 675, 80%. This is why people, and, and the last point somebody made it earlier, all of these different real clear politic polling averages. Here's what happened, Greg. All of the, the Republicans have figured it out. If you just flood the zone with new polls, the media are like crack addicts where they will jump on that sucker and report every new poll. Well, what do they then do? It then becomes, oh my goodness, this is what it's saying. And so they figured out every time we drop a poll, that's a new story, it's a new narrative. And so then it just kept the drumbeat, the drumbeat, the drumbeat. Now, maybe the opposite worked where it pissed off Democratic voters and they said, shit, let's go out and vote. Because we saw in Wisconsin the number of young voters who that was up dramatically, some 300 plus percent. Uh, but this is the nonsense that people have to watch out for when you see these political shows that hype up this Republican drama because they like the drama. I believe a lot of them want to see Trump run. They want to see the fist fights and the crazy stuff because they get off on that. Because you already see them calling Biden, he's too boring. That's the kind of nonsense they say. But, 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 but they, absolutely, of course, they make more money. But these numbers right here show you all that cra was utter nonsense. Hold on, hold on, absolutely. Greg Carr, go ahead. Absolutely. In fact, Roland, um, there's nothing. There's nothing on network television. There's nothing on cable. There's nothing streaming that comes close to the coverage that you've been doing tonight. This has been an honest and compelling conversation, but, and we have to remember that this is not only not far from over, the, the, the Democrats look like it's gonna, when the story is told, whenever, tomorrow, the next week, whenever, it's, the Democrats not only survive, they may have pulled this off. The House may go Republican, it may not. 
again, the late breaking votes. If Lauren Barber going to lose her seat, there have been a couple of flips, including black women. So shout out to Summer Lee in Pennsylvania and Amelia Sykes in Ohio who flipped districts. I don't want to run over that. Summer Lee, let me tell you something. APAC dropped three... First of all, they dropped a million dollars against her in her primary. She Come on. wins. Yes, sir. APAC yes. dropped three million against her in this race, propping up the Republican. They wanted to take Summer Lee out she fought back. She was leading in double digits. It went down to like four or five points. She wins tonight. APAC lost a lot of money trying to take that sister out. They sure did. They sure did. And they can stick their money on top of all that money was spent in Pennsylvania, all that money was spent in other places. And at the end of the day, we may see the Democrats not only keep the Senate, but set them up for 2024. This was the chance that the Republicans had to get some momentum going to 2024. And sure, if Kevin McCarthy, that nut, ends up as a Speaker of the House and sticks Jim Jordan on a chair of a committee and they start investigating Hunter Biden's laptop and impeaching Biden, all that's going to do is create more momentum for 2024 to push back against them. Now, those down-ballot races, you had constitutional amendments to preserve a woman's right to choose that passed in Michigan that passed in Vermont, that will pass in California. When you talked about slavery earlier, taking that racist language out, Tennessee, Oregon, Vermont, Alabama, looks like that ballot initiative is going to pass. Now, the one where it's not going to pass is Louisiana. Again, I would have asked Congressman Carter, why can't you get behind Gary Chambers? And I think what you just said about Gary Chambers taking over the apparatus in, in Louisiana and building it, like Stacey Abrams said, I think it's a stroke of genius, but it's going to require a come to black Jesus for the Democratic Party. They're going to have to concede that, as Reverend Barber said, the trick is going to be to expand the voting base, as Steve Phillips said. And, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here listening to everybody's conversation, and I'm thinking about my friend Laura Victoria Burke. I wish they would put her somewhere to talk to some of these people and have a conversation along with everyone else, because finally, what we're seeing, what we may see, particularly as Robert says, one, I can able to pull this off without a runoff, what we might see at the end of this election cycle, if it's again, end of this week or whenever, is that not only did the Democrats survive, they took the best shot the Republicans had of derailing this thing. We may have dodged a lot of bullets tonight. It's not nearly as gloomy as these polls and these white uh, commercial news outlets tried to push, and that's why you should ignore all of them, and everybody need to get the damn Black Star Network app and download it, because tonight proved this is the only place where the conversation is being had that's honest. Well, let, let's break this down. When you talk about uh, kind of a night... Uh, Larry and Michael. Go to my iPad, please. Folks, look at this here. These are governor's races. Um, Katie Hobbs winning in Arizona. Uh, Georgia, Brian Kemp wins there in Georgia. Kansas, the incumbent Democrat in Kansas. She, right now, 49.6% leading the Republican, 47.3%. She's leading by 22,000 votes with 95% of the vote in. Maine, Democratic governor beats the former governor, Paul LePage, that racist, blows his ass out, 55.5 uh, to 42.6%. Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, re-elected governor in Michigan, 51.9% to that MAGA Republicans, 46.4%. You now go to Nevada. Democrat incumbent wins by 10 points in Nevada. Then you go to New Mexico. Democrat incumbent wins by five points. Uh, so they maintain that governor's mansion. 
all the talk that Kathy Hochul was going to lose the Republican, the, the, uh, the racist uh, Lee Zeldin. She wins. She wins by, uh, looks like, 320-some-odd thousand votes uh, in that particular race. Oregon, remember, uh, the, uh, the, uh, Phil Knight, founder of Nike, was pissed off, dumped a whole bunch of money in that race. Uh, well, you see, uh, it, it has an impact, but 57% of the votes are in. It's a very tight race. He hated Tina uh, Kotek, but you also have the, the uh, independent that's running there as well. But Kotek is winning 45.48% to 44.84%. So we're still watching that particular race. Go to Pennsylvania. Democrat Josh Shapiro, elected governor in Pennsylvania. In Wisconsin, Tony Evers. They were talking about how that was neck and neck. Evers is at 51%. Tim Michaels, Republican, at 48%. Uh, so Democrats are going to maintain uh, the governor's mansion there, is, there in Wisconsin. If you're Democrats, you feel real good about what happened tonight. And matter of fact, I don't even have on here uh, what I just pulled up here. I don't think I pulled... I don't even have the... Uh, I don't think I have any... The, the Massachusetts race where they picked up the governor's mansion there. Uh, so uh, that's not a red wave you're talking about governors. Their best shot. Um, you know, one of the concerns that you have on the governor's side is that several of what they call the swing states, I don't know if Florida's a swing state anymore, no. um, it's you know, not. Had, had governor's races, right? And so, therefore, two years from now, theoretically, now they're, you know, playing with the rules as it pertains to certification, et cetera. But it's not all the gloom and doom that was all predicted. Not even um, and, and that's why you run your races, you put in your resources where they're supposed to be, uh, you go hard, you run hard, and you stay off Twitter if you want to know what the <laughs> truth is. The House is, fun it's the fun is functional. McCarthy can't get anything done, may not even be able to get elected speaker. Because right. you speaker. know the Freedom Caucus right. is going to act a fool. That's going yeah. uh, I do want to talk about the governor's race uh, in Texas. Monique, you're from Galveston. I want to go to you here. Um, um, so unfortunate, Greg Abbott gets reelected. <laughs> uh, he, he is. He's a, he's a, he's a fucking idiot. Uh, yeah, that's the first time. I, yeah, no, 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 he, no, he is. He, he is because first of all, first of all, when you have the electrical grid in Texas and, you, and that leads to people dying when it was freezing, and then you want to blame it on Biden, fool, you were no longer part of the U.S. grid. That was your choice, okay? Then of course the shoot, the mass shootings that happened in the state. Yeah. I don't know what the people in Uvalde were thinking. Right. Literally, for, but he was plus fourteen in the county where Uvalde is. After that shooting, 18 children, two adults. Uh, he wins by uh, a, almost a million votes, uh, Monique, uh, over Beto O'Rourke. And uh, when I look at the other races in Texas, you got, I mean, my God, you've got a, Attorney General Ken Paxton, a complete asshole who's been indicted for five years. And the only reason he has it, he's not in prison because his, his buddies in Collin County are keeping him out. Um, Mama Congo, you pass her microphone to Monique. But when I look at the other races, Republicans winning by 800,000. Last election cycle, they were winning around 250,000. And, and, and like, I smacked Megan McCain around. I had some other black folks who were texting me at night. They were like, this is the last, we should never hear from Beto O'Rourke again. And I had somebody who oh, say, uh, oh, and I say, well, he, he helped folks down ballot. Some guy was like, well, he didn't. I was like, first of all, you're not even from Texas. And, 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 I'll, and I'll say this here, and I firmly believe this here. If Folks in Texas, look, he, he lost against Ted Cruz. He's now lost. He ran for president. I thought that was stupid. He shouldn't have ran for president. Yeah. Uh, then he, he, he loses here. I think he should take time off. He should be running the Texas Democratic Party. 
because you have to take what he did and you have to actually build out the party. You're not going to win anything as long as you have a fractured party that's not raising money, that is not running a 254-county strategy. Your thoughts on what should happen in our native state with your, with your party? Well, I'm going to be candid. Uh, I, I can't dismiss all of the criticism of Beto, and I, I, I like him. Uh, I liked him when in, in all of his races that he has now lost. Uh, and he does seem to be incredibly popular, and there is a lot of energy around him, but it does not convert to the number of votes necessary to win in Texas. He is far to the left for the way that Texas voters see life right now. Yep. And even in Uvalde, um, their, doc, Dr. J would know better than me, they were counting their dollars and their cents, even with their dead babies. Mm. They were counting their dollars and their cents, and mm. they decided that that hideous man, Greg Abbott, was a better choice for them. They decided by double digits. Yep. So to me, no, I, I don't want to see uh, Beto in, in another statewide election. And yes, if he can be the person who energizes the party, that's great. But I'm just saying for all of those things no, no, that no, are no. going around saying, will he have another election? No. I'd love to see him in some office someday because I think that he is an excellent public servant. But the the progressiveness that is necessary and the and the value driven right. policy system that is necessary it, Texas isn't is not the stomping ground but, for but, it. but but the point I'm talking about here Avis is I'm what I'm looking at is I'm looking at organizational ability mobilization how do you put together a plan and what I'm arguing is you need someone who is charismatic someone who can raise money who can rally people but who can help others on the organization side. 2008, when they had the Democratic primary, folks were on fire about Hillary Clinton and, uh, and Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. uh, contested uh, primary, she wins the primary, but then was a Texas two-step, he wins the second part, so it was split. And a lot of Democrats were like, oh my God, now we're gonna actually see the rebuilding of this party since Governor Ann Richards uh, lost to uh, George W. Bush. Well, it's not what happened. Obama did not care about uh, building infrastructure there. He would come into Texas. He would pick up checks in Houston, Dallas, and Austin would fly right back out. And so literally for eight years, they were just in the wilderness. And so when Beto runs, he, somebody finally runs statewide who's actually campaigning in all the different counties. That's how I see him running. The same way I see Gary Chambers in Louisiana. Gary's a great guy. Gary's, Gary put out some great ads. I think Gary's future, and trust me, he's not going to talk later this week, I think Gary's future is saying, let me become the Stacey Abrams of, of Louisiana to put together the infrastructure, what I was talking about with, with Troy Carter, because you got to have somebody who is focused on that 365. That's where I think candidates that lose can transition to still be public servants but not necessarily run for political office thoughts. That's exactly what's needed, because if you look at these states, there is potential there, but there needs to be a ground game. There needs to be a long-term investment in those, in those states. And as you mentioned, Beto can raise money. I mean, I don't know about votes, but the man knows how to get money. And, 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 what <laughs> he had, and because he's had three runs, what does he have? Mailing list? Yes. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. What he has is he has, he has the infrastructure, and, that, and so you, have to, you got it. Now, you don't just let it die, you put it to use. Exactly. And, you know, I would say the biggest challenge, I would say, with the Obama 
campaign was the infrastructure wasn't just not there in Texas. The infrastructure wasn't built out anywhere. And it was shame. Well, no, it, it, was wasn't, it was only built out to benefit him. Exactly. So post his administration, it went kablooey, right? And so there needs to be long-term infrastructure, long-term organizing in key states where there's a possibility in the future that they can flip when you look at the demographics. Stacey Abrams, to me, built the roadmap for that in Georgia, even though she fell short right. a bit tonight. But you're right. There needs to be some mimicking of that because why can't we say, let's look ahead two years, four years. Right. The Democratic Party needs to think a little bit more long-term. Yes. As we've all said over and over again, this two-month, two-week strategy trying to sort of bomb in at the last minute isn't working. How many times do we have to see that? Michael, uh, go, go ahead. Microphone. I'm sorry. So while the Democratic Party might not be, I just want to credit um, Black Voters Matter Fund. Yes. I want to credit yes. all of the other organizations right. that since the last election, right. like when, when I was there in 2020 helping with the Texas campaign, there's like 10 times as many assets on the ground. Right. There are local chapters everywhere. So they have not stopped building. And we will see the fruit of that in Texas and elsewhere, same as in North Carolina. May not have made it this time. Right. But these organizations are doing the hard work. Michael, here, here's, here's why, I, I, and I need people to understand um, why I keep harping on this here. Um, former Congressman Jesse Jackson Jr. Yes. He and I were talking one day, and he said, um, the greatest mistake my dad made was after he ran in 84 and 88. He did nothing with the infrastructure. Mm. Mm -hmm. He said what dad should have done was, dad should have taken that infrastructure, maintained it, mm -hmm. and when the next national, when the next black candidate came along to run national, here you go. Yeah. Yep. He said that was his biggest mistake. He said, why, why run and you do nothing with it? What, what mm -hmm. does Senator Bernie Sanders do? do? He takes his infrastructure mm -hmm. and he creates it, what is it, our revolution? Mm -hmm. Okay, creates, yeah. an, creates an organization, transfer those assets. Again, you've got database, you've got names, you've got donors, all of that. Now it goes into this. So what do they do? They're running candidates locally all across the country. Mm -hmm. Okay, not exactly. doing necessarily well in congressional or statewide races, but still running local races. So that's that's what I mean. Was when people talk about you know well you ran and you lost. That's why I was you know getting that silly ass tweet from Meghan McCain. No, this is about <laughs> the long term building. And so even for a Sherry Beasley, okay, right. you you lose in North Carolina, but you still have an infrastructure, a database that you can that you can activate. And now, and put it to work, even when the election is over. Exactly, I totally agree with that. And that's thinking long term, but also that's understanding control beyond just running for an elected office. That's being that's being able to to have control over fundraising, the uh, the database, things like this, and to be able to groom to be able to groom uh, future candidates. Mm -hmm and provide an infrastructure for them to run so they don't have to start at ground zero. And, and really, to, to be perfectly honest with you, like I've said before, I'm neither Democrat nor Republican, but I'm definitely not stupid. <laughs> I, can, I can see whose policies are more beneficial for us. But really, we need to focus on, if we don't take over the Democratic Party, we need to create a huge power structure within it like the Tea Party was, mm -hmm. but just not crazy like the Tea Party. No, no, okay. no, no, actually, no, no, actually, uh, I think what ha I think there has to be a crazy element. 
I think, and I think, <laughs> and, 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 and let me uh, unpack that. Yeah. Let me unpack that. Uh, I, I, I know I, where you're going with this. No, no, yeah. I'm gonna unpack that because I, I want I want to bring Larry in. Mm -hmm. See, Larry, uh, here's the, the crazy element has to be, y'all done messed this shit up, and you don't know what you're doing. So right. you know we're tired of messing with y'all. The reality right. is, in your state. Democrats are in gross disarray. I mean, mm -hmm. they. I mean, I, I have. I have never in my life witnessed the complete and utter destruction of a part. The, like the the destruction of Democrats in Florida is complete. I mean, it's it, Ron DeSantis tonight became the first Republican who flipped Miami Dade County. Flipping Miami-Dade County is the right, equivalent that's nice. That's nice. of a Republican winning Travis County where Austin is. Right. That don't, that don't, that says y'all just crazy. Right. I mean, and so, so what has to happen, this, this is where I, a contingent could say, we need to go take this shit over. We just, cause y'all, we own, we ain't listen to none of y'all. There has to be sort of that level of of takeover attitude. Otherwise, it's gonna be a worse beatdown. Florida right now is damn near like Texas, where Republicans control the entire state. Worse. Will yeah. will I don't know if I don't know if it can get worse. <laughs> but I mean, but it has to be that kind of crazy takeover because nobody else can say anything that's logical that what anybody wanna listen to them. Yeah, so it's interesting, Roland, when I was, we were over there, I was texting a colleague of mine who's in Florida who was at a Democratic watch party, and she was just frustrated. A, a Democratic watch party or a home going? <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. She was laying the brief down. Because she was at a repass. I'm not asking those anymore. Look at the foil. She was at a repass. So she knows you need to look at the foil. All right, hold on. I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you. So, you know, when she was texting me, asking me about where the aluminum foil is, you know, she was raising, she's she's from Florida, you know, she's a native Floridian, and she was raising the red flag, and she has been in our conversation for months. But when we first started, I said to you, Roland, when you asked me about Florida, I told you it didn't look good because my conversations with folks on the ground. Well, we know saying, it didn't look good, yeah, but damn. So listen, <laughs> it is solidly red now. So the question is now, and I think your point about being cra crazy people taking over, the bottom line is, it's time for revolutionaries, specifically black folks in the state, to now take over the Democratic Party. First of all, we talked about important policy issues and be able to speak to the people, black folks and Latino Latino folks in the state of Florida. You have to be able to do that, but once again, you have to talk about specific policy issues. And listen, I'm gonna be frank when it comes to the state of Florida, and we already know this, but we talk about Latino Latino community, a lot of those folks, like DeSantis, they like that that right. macho, yes. um, you know, mm -hmm. um, persona he gives off. So we need to have a conversation. We talked about this earlier, well, which also applies to a lot of the countries they come from. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, I mean, that's just that's just strange. Mm -hmm. yeah. You want to jump in there about the, Florida? So yeah. I campaigned in Florida in 2008 and um, 2016. The thing about Florida is really six regions, and the Democratic Party treats it like it's a monolith. They treat Spanish speakers as a monolith. Yeah. I think we need to use well, the term Spanish speakers to really show and characterize what's happening in Florida. Because when you're talking about Florida, you got to break it down. Yeah. You got Cubans. Yeah, right. You got yeah. Venezuelans. Yeah. You, you, got, you, you got countries going on. And Miami-Dade is completely different in its demographic and who runs it. I think people need to listen to Uncle Luke. Uncle Luke has a lot to say about yeah. what's going on in Miami-Dade, and he's 100% accurate. Brianna. So, um, I agree with you. Um, the Democrats elected Manny Diaz. Um, I, I campaigned um, in 2018 uh, where Miami went blue in Florida, and I was controlling Miami. So I, I, I heavily know that. Um, and with Manny Diaz, they um, separated the Spanish speakers, and they ignored black people. Right, and so they focused on let's just target Spanish people. I think you're very correct when you say that about DeSantis. Um, there was a very split ballot. I knew people on the ground in Miami who uh, voted for DeSantis and voted for um, Demings. Um, it was another split, just like I saw a lot of split in Georgia. Um, and you know, DeSantis um, has some of the beliefs socially that they want. Um, and so I think that um, there's some things we don't want to come to terms with. We say, okay, we can change hearts and minds. Um, I do think that we can push more people out to vote. However, and I'll, I'll say that I was trying to, I was trying to tiptoe 
to roll in, but I'm, I'm just gonna Why say the hell, baby, this ain't, this ain't the show to be tiptoeing. You, you, you got some cute you ass shoes Charlie on, Chris. but you can't be tiptoeing. You had Charlie Chris. I was on there that day. You had Charlie Chris come onto the show. He did care about it, but that was during the primaries. And um person I did work with, Nikki Freed, ran against Charlie Chris. Everybody from DC, we're in DC, said, oh, that's because Charlie Chris is gonna win. And you had Charlie Chris versus DeSantis. So you had Republican White, who was already Republican, didn't do shit, and then you have the Republican here. The only thing that they can remember is, okay, now they put financial literacy into schools, and they're talking about pockets, economics again, right? And they were happy about, um, about how he did COVID. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, the other side was, Chris was saying, well, I will be the best one with your reproductive health. And they were like, oh, okay, yeah, well... We're conservative. We don't understand what that really means. And we're going to go with our pockets. And so you saw a lot of that um, dynamic and dialogue play out, but there wasn't really enough people on the ground. So we say that we hired Manny Diaz because he brought in all the money. He was going to be national, and that's why we needed him versus the other people who ran, which I won't go into it. Um, but that was not those resources, which we talked about again, the priorities of resources was not given to the black community. Of course they well, would not talk yeah, to because Uncle what Luke. You're, what, or the Haitians. The strategy you're talking <laughs> right. about requires the party to give money to black and brown people. It but, 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 but we have, we have so active underground uh, grassroots people. Not and even they won't the but you have to disaggregate the black and brown thing at some level. Not to be divisive at all, but we do have to disaggregate some of that. Because there are, uh, there's a, anyway, there are brown folk Latinx folk who are as anti-black as the greatest right, clan right. member that you could ever run right. into. But, but, but also so, part of the whole deal is they don't use that damn term Latinx. I know. No, they yeah. don't. They, they don't like, like it. No, Actually, no, no la, la, like Latinx it. is a Academic, first of all, if, if it's two, if it, if it's two phrases I can't stand. What's that? I can't stand that goddamn Latinx and BIPOC. I hate BIPOC. I hate BIPOC. So, 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 what I'm saying is, it's like literally, I have asked, I've asked Latino posters like, nah, only two percent go with Latinx. Like I don't even know why anybody. Well, would see but, that, but that's that. That's that. Like th it. No, that's that consultant class, academic. They don't use that. You know what? The Latino community doesn't even like the term Latino because yeah. that came from Ronald well, Reagan. Well, well, actually, all, hold up, but all, hold up, but it all depends what part of the country you're in. Right, and, and that's the whole Latino deal. The rally is. is the rally is. What the, the one of the biggest mistakes people uh, politically is? They're trying to look at. Latino slash Hispanics, the way they look at black folks. Correct. You can't. Right. That's because right. That's right. with us, we talking about where you from? Alabama, Texas, right. yeah. Mississippi, North Carolina. Yeah. When you talk about them, it's Colombia, Venezuela, right. Mexico, oh, yeah. Cuba. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's country. And so you have to actually, uh, I, what I said earlier, how you have to micro-target African-Americans now because of our interests, you have to micro-target them depending upon where you are. You know the what? person who's a Dominican or Puerto Rican in New York ain't the same as a Puerto Rican and Dominican that's in Miami. It's just not. Dominicans and Republic the Dominicans and Puerto Ricans in New York align more with black folks, and the cats in Florida like, nah, we ain't with them or the Haitians. If you look at the, the immigrants who come into Florida from these uh, Latin countries, they, they have fled progressive people. When Venezuelans uh, yeah. come to Florida, Socialist. they hate uh, Hugo Chavez. Oh, and, no, look, look, they the... nailed Biden in 2020 with the mm. socialist yeah. label. And when exactly. they hear socialist, they're like, yeah. oh, hell no. And you got to counter that. And it wasn't yeah, ran from it. Cuba, same thing, they're anti-Castro. 
And so when you when you start talking, about, you're right. You can say socialist. You can say anything. If you said I don't like predatory capitalism, they ain't gonna vote for you. Well, what you gotta do is when they hit you with a socialist, you gotta go tell them Venezuelans. Remember when your ass came here, who gave you some food? <laughs> That's socialism. <laughs> Who gave you some health care? See, again, if you, if, you, if, you, if you get caught up in the labels, I think that's where you make a mistake. Randy, I, I really think Florida, Florida, Florida has to be looked at uh, the same way uh, a corporation, when a new CEO comes in and says, <laughs> y'all stock price went from 50 <laughs> what are you doing, Monique? Really? <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> when a corporation comes in and says, our stock price used to be $75 an hour, not the $75, now it's $4, I got, I, got, I got to sit here and get the stock price up. I, I think there has to be a, a corporate-type examination of how broken Florida is for Democrats in order to figure out a plan to fix it. And it's not going to be a two-election cycle plan. No. They, bottom line is, Democrats are not going to successfully compete in Florida, at least for a decade. Mm-hmm. At least. Yes. I mean, there's not much to say. Yes. The place is... It's, it's a mess. It's a hot, hot mess. No, but, but speak, speak to from the... Co- approach, from approaching it like a corporate <coughs> takeover, you've got to completely gut downsize to upsize. That to me that has to be the approach. And, and to honestly look at who your who who are your employees? Who who's in this in the state? Hey, I don't think people know that. Like hey, people. let's get to know there you go. this actual yeah. state. Like you were saying there's so much diversity um when you look at Florida. Even if you just look at one county, um Miami Dade is a whole good study <laughs> in itself. Yeah. Um I could say a lot about that and you know how Cubans are com- completely different than other people who mm-hmm. uh call themselves Latinos. I mean completely mm-hmm. different. So really just knowing to whom you're trying to appeal. And yep. what's important to them? I think they need to start there. Uh, I'm going to bring in Greg Carr here. Greg Carr, uh, you hear it a lot. There's a whole bunch of folk out here uh, who love hollering back and forth. I, I can't wait till the, uh, the the anti-immigrant black people act uh-huh. a fool when they find out that West Moore is uh, has, is has Jamaican immigrants. You know they're going to act a damn fool. But just look at numbers. <laughs> this, 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 this is real simple for all the anti-immigrant black people. Right now, in the United States of America, 10% of the black population is immigrant. And so the fact of the matter is, this, this is real simple. You ain't getting away from that. Uh, and so the folk who out there, who we, we, y'all know who y'all are, the anti-immigrant folk, you need to understand, if you're talking about 10% of the black population is immigrant, you better realize those are folk who also vote. And so we're going to have to have a discussion because here's the other piece, and this is why I'm bringing this up. Because what Republicans are trying to do, Greg, and we see it right now in Alabama and Louisiana, they are trying to now redefine the term black. And that is going to have a direct implication on black political power by their effort. And so for all the black people, I need the people (laughs) listening to me, all yes, the black sir. people who are anti-immigrant, your yes. dumb ass don't even realize you are playing right into the hands of Republicans who would love nothing better than to separate and redefine blackness to lower 
the threshold of black political power. Greg, Rain, I see you want to hop in here. You got you, you all hot in them, them shoes. You about to jump. So, Greg, go ahead, uh, uh, go ahead, speak on that. No, very quickly, and, and, and I'm glad, and I can't wait to hear what Renee has to say because this conversation about Florida is, is, is key to this. You know, the only thing holding this criminal enterprise called United States together from its origins in white uh, European settler colonialism has been whiteness. This is what the White Nationalist Party is rallying around. Uh, the infrastructure is set up for it, whether it be the Electoral College or how the Senate representation is apportioned. The, they're rallying, the only national identity in this country is whiteness. And Everybody else who is non-white, the indigenous people who we're seeing now adoptive, uh, the um, uh, the Indian child welfare case is going to be argued before the Supreme Court this week. I think tomorrow, actually today, I guess. And they're trying to now convert the notion of being an Indian to a race, which is, of course, absurd. These are very different, different nations of people. The, the immigrant conversation is being held now that we're listening to right now that y'all are participating in and having a very layered conversation, understanding when people come here from other countries, often... There is a tension between the people who are here, the caste minorities and the immigrant minorities, and they are set at each other's throats by this competition to kind of climb the ladder in this country. That's certainly what we see in California, in L.A. with the city council. We've been interested in hearing Melina Abdullah talk about that because we see there, in, 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 and I love the way that you just reframed this in terms of Spanish-speaking communities because some of the racism that the chair, and you know, Dr. Malvo, Julian, you know about this, of course. You see, you saw it up close. The chair of the city council who had to uh, resign, she was talking trash about the Awakens as well on the Pacific coast of Mexico. When we see Black Panther 2 come out in a couple of days, uh, Namor, who they've made the villain kind of anti hero in the movie, he's speaking Awaken. He is from that region. He not consider, he, he, he's like a black person into the so called Spanish speaking world. It fractures around nationality. It fractures around immigration. Finally, and I say this as a Pan-Africanist, this silly-minded turn inward by some folks who are saying, well, we're descendants of slaves and women, all that's going to get us is a rejection of the type of coalition politics that it's going to take in this country to build true coalitions around shared values, shared policies, and that's what the Democratic Party running from it because they think somehow they can keep some type of authority by running toward this dying whiteness. That is what they're missing. If you keep it local, there was a long uh, article in the New Yorker a uh, week before last on how in Nevada, for example, the machine politics in, 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 in the Democratic Party Focusing on local issues, focusing on these local issues will allow them to build political power and you can maybe build some coalitions. But as long as you're keeping it around race, you're feeding into whiteness. We, we, we've seen we, we, we've seen we've seen that in, in tonight's uh, ballot, some of the ballot initiatives. 60%. They wanted to have 60% threshold in order to amend the Constitution in several states. That was rejected. Why do they want a 60% threshold? So that they can preserve the shrinking white minority and create minority rule at the state level. You saw the minimum wage hiked up in some white states. There are economic issues that Democrats can rally around. But it's going to take for us reaching out to each other and building coalition. And this blackface nativism that some people have embraced is only going to lead to disaster. And we do have to deal with the reality, Randy, of white Hispanics. And that, go ahead. Well, that's what I want to 
wanted to say mm -hmm. when you talk about Florida, and, and it just, oh yes, he just said exactly right. It's right. Florida has become this place where white supremacy and the and the and the the chase to be white yes. um, is fully at play. And so you have people who are would be considered immigrants who have completely disassociated from mm -hmm. that that term that 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 whole. Um, um, struggle, they don't consider themselves a, a immigrants whatsoever, so they're not even at all participating in that conversation right. and cannot be appealed to in that way. And I think that's what we need to realize really about Florida. So, it is one, everyone is trying to compete. Who can who can be closer to white? Who can yeah. move up Hold the ladder? Larry. Who can be up, absolutely. Larry, you're there in Florida, go. Well, listen, we were having this conversation about you know, um, not just immigrants, but individuals in terms of proximity to whiteness, yes, right? We right. talked about yeah. this yep. earlier. Yeah, yeah. And you see that in Florida. One other point I want to make about in terms of the diversity of the state of Florida is we talked about, you know, Lat Latino, Latinx, whatever phrase you want to use. We, we, don't waste your time. Let, 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 let me just go ahead and say I'm this right academic, now. So do not waste, do not, I'm, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> stop wasting your time saying Latinx. <laughs> they hate it. Hey, listen, I get that, but... He, there was a time when we were called... Okay. Look, look, hey, hey, when y'all on listen, campus, y'all can use that, but guess what? They hate it on your campus. I don't use it. I don't use it. So, um, I want to make a point about, um, we talk about, like I said, immigrants and diversity in the state of Florida, because I think that we're missing a piece here. And that's the African-American, Afro-Caribbean, black community. Correct. Yeah. Mm. My in-laws are from Jamaica. Mm -hmm. So my son is first generation, you know, African-American. We really need to talk about that, particularly in the state of Florida. And I mm -hmm. think that's where a lot Broward. of Democrats miss also mm -hmm. in terms of understanding there are some immigrant, black immigrant communities in which they're more conservative. Yes. And then those who are, yes. and there's some others who are more liberal. Which is no so different, than, which is no different than African-Americans who might, Period. who might, depending upon their church, their upbringing, uh, depending on where they are, whether you're rural, whether you live in a big city or not. Uh, Robert, I, I want to go to you here. Um, uh, people who watch this show have heard me talk a million times. Stop ignoring judicial races. Uh, go to my iPad. I, so, Robert, uh, here's the deal. Uh, Tennille with votes. Republicans have retained the Ohio Supreme Court by sweeping three seats there, they'll keep a narrow four to three majority. Uh, the reason this is disconcerting is because the anti-gerrymandering Chief Justice Republican is retiring and being replaced by a pro-gerrymander judge. But the one that I am really sickened by is this here. Republicans have flipped the North Carolina State Supreme Court. Uh, North, and so this is huge. Now, let me explain for the people watching who, who don't understand what happened. Um, when Obama wins in 2008, Republicans controlled the Supreme Court. Moral Mondays, Reverend Barber and others, they change the politics. They get control of the state Supreme Court. The reason they outlawed racial gerrymandering in North Carolina, state Supreme Court. The reason they shut down their voter, their voter suppression efforts, state Supreme Court. Why was it important? Sherry Beasley should not have been running tonight for the United States Senate. Sherry Beasley should have been the state Supreme Court justice. Folks, she lost by 401 votes in 2020. Why is that important? Well, the white man who beat her was upset because she got picked to be the chief justice of the Supreme Court. He felt it should have been him. So he ran against her. He won. 
the seat that he occupied on the Supreme Court, Republican won. Had Sherrod Beasley won in 2020, had Cal Cunningham not chose to have a damn affair during the campaign and got busted on signal, he probably was sleeping with a Republican operative. Okay, stupid, lose by three points. Democrats could have had a six to one majority on the North Carolina Supreme Court. They ended up with a 4-3 majority after 2020. Now, Republicans control the state Supreme Court. It was the state Supreme Court that stopped all of the efforts of the Republicans in the legislature when it came to voting, when it came to civil rights. And so, if you are black in North Carolina and your ass didn't vote in the Senate race or you didn't vote in the state Supreme Court, you are about to see right-wing policies now being rubber-stamped by the state Supreme Court of North Carolina as a result. Robert, we keep saying this over and over and over again. Folk have got to understand why these state Supreme Court, these judicial races matter for us. Uh, well, Roland, you're exactly right. And if you want to see a model of this, look at the late apartheid uh, South African model. Uh, this is the playbook the Republicans are, where, are walking towards. Uh, they, they understand they can no longer win these elections electorally. They um, they know that in the last 30 years, Republicans have won the popular vote uh, on a national level one time, 2004. They know that uh, every single uh, the 50 Republican senators re represent 41 million fewer people than the 50 Democratic senators. So what they did in apartheid South Africa entrenched their white supremacist power in, in the judiciary, in the bureaucracy of the state, so that they could therefore maintain a control of the government, despite not being able to win elections. Uh, we're seeing this now from Republicans going all the way back a decade, holding up seats from President Obama, holding up uh, a Supreme Court seat from Merrick Garland, uh, replacing much of the federal judiciary with right-wing activist judges to get the 6-3 majority in the United States Supreme Court. And during that same period of time, they have been attacking state level judiciaries across the country because they understand that once they get control of the federal bench, many of these cases will come before state uh, state Supreme Courts, and those state Supreme Courts will be making the final decisions on state on state and local laws regarding affirmative action, regarding the interstate commerce clause, regarding um, public accommodation, fair housing, uh, on down the line. So much of what we consider to be the civil rights movement of the 1960s um, will be at risk and will be eroded over the next couple of years because of these state levels uh, judiciary races that they've been working on, while Democrats have completely taken their eyes off the ball when it comes to cultivating these state and local officials, putting money uh, on local races, making sure that you're actually investing in these things. You know, President Trump will come to town and have a monster truck rally, and he'll bring out all the way down to the uh, your local candidates for city official. That's building up the farm system you need to be able to maintain a political majority going forward, and we're just not seeing on the Democratic side of the aisle. Um, it is, let me do this here, uh, it is almost 2 a.m., we are going to stop, uh, let folk go home, we are. Y'all, y'all, y'all having way too much fun, I know y'all are. Um, My plane's not till 6, Robert. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I do, I do want to go to my iPad, please, uh, Villanueva, Alex Villanueva, who is a shameful, despicable, uh, uh sheriff. Uh, there in uh, Los Angeles County. Uh, he is down big there. Uh, and we're also, uh, I'm, tr I'm looking for the um, results, if there's any. So right now, folks, my goodness. Well, first of all, 
uh, only 11% of the vote is in. Uh, Rick Caruso and Karen Bass are both at 50%. Mm. Caruso with 186,000 votes. Uh, Karen Bass with 184,000 votes. Uh, and so we're watching that particular race. Uh, let me go to, come back to me. Uh, let me go Probably to... Real quick, that's go not going to be decided um, until for a week because of mail-in ballots. There's Got a it. very heavy mail-in um, ballot and, and, you know, in whatever. In, uh, Rebecca, uh, Re Rebecca was showing me that, uh, you were showing me the U.S. Senate race there. It's down to what? Go ahead. You were... So in Wisconsin, it looks like we're still waiting for at least 51,000 votes to come out of Milwaukee. And so if we compare <laughs> um, Mandela Barnes against Ron Johnson, if Mandela Barnes could get probably 75% of the votes coming out of Milwaukee that's left, he could pull it off. Yeah. So right now, go mm. to my iPad with 93% of the vote in. Uh, Ron Johnson's at 50.7% with 1.32 million votes. Mandela Barnes, 1.28 uh, million, 49.3%. You've got about, about 40,000 vote difference there. Uh, and of course, we don't know if there are any provisional ballots or anything along those yeah. lines. And, and, th and this, this goes back to what I said earlier, Lauren. The turnout in Milwaukee. <laughs> right, exactly. Imagine yes. 176,000. If Milwaukee hits its number from four years ago, 214,000, it's a cakewalk. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's, um, if, if, it's man, math. if, 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 it's, it's math. math. <laughs> this this, this right. shit ain't geometry. The Bucks ain't even played today. I'm telling you right now, if Mandela Barnes loses by 20,000 votes and 50,000 fewer folks voted in Milwaukee, it should be some public uh, flogging going on. Uh, yes, that's, I mean, that, that's, that should be happening well, there. Mansion, Mansion might be off the table anyway because of Fetterman, but Mansion would really be nah, off the table. No, see, I, I need Mansion and Cinema <laughs> off the table. Uh, I need both of them off the table, so that's what's up there. Uh, so let's do this here. Uh, we're going to do uh, final thoughts. Uh, Robert, uh, I, want you to, I want you to start first. Go. Uh, well, I think the big takeaway from this uh, tonight is going to be that uh, Raphael Warnock has significantly raised his profile in the Democratic Party going forward. Being a reverend, being a senator, being able to take down Trump's preferred candidate, not just once but twice, uh, sets him up to be a potential big star in the Democratic Party going forward. If for any reason Joe Biden decides not to run in 2024, I think the Raphael Warnock has submitted himself as the Democratic frontrunner. Oh, wow. Mm. Mm. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, I'm way it. ahead of your skis on that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> Look. Yeah. Well, wait, nice well, hold on, Rolly. Let, let me make my case. If you're looking at the map going into 2024, if this, this is all hypothetical, Raphael Warnock puts Georgia in play. He puts North, uh, North Carolina in play. He shifts the conversation from the old Rust Belt voters, the Ohio's, the uh, those Midwestern voters, and becomes a Sun Belt race. You pick up new states with Warnock in a way, while also being able to pick up religious conservative voters and somebody who has a record of being able to beat red state candidates, not w or winning in a blue state. I think that sets him apart from us in the field. Mm, He's not battle-tested outside of his okay. region. Okay, hold on. We, we, ain't gonna, we, ain't, we ain't going down that rabbit hole. Uh, let's see here, Michael. Uh, so, 
once again, you know, this night proved that you can't go by the polls. There were a lot of junk polls uh, that Republicans put out, uh, really, I think, to try to depress the vote. Uh, the things to take away from tonight, number one, you vote for power. And I think African-Americans, we really need to focus on utilizing political power to get the policies that we want enacted, and also to vote people out of office who keep voting against our own interests as well. So uh, that's a big takeaway from tonight. Also building the infrastructure for the future, right. okay? This is huge, and be able to groom that next generation of uh, African-American political leadership. Uh, and then I'll go back to what I said a, a little while ago. We need to focus on, if we can't take over the Democratic Party, we need to, we need to focus on creating a, a, a powerful faction within the Democratic Party and, and a faction that we can also finance as well. So when we have uh, somebody like a, a Cheryl Beasley or we have somebody like a Mandela Barnes that needs more funding and the, and the DCCC doesn't want to do it, we have that infrastructure where we can finance them ourselves. I'm Congo. I'm looking at all of the greatness in this room and the genius and the intellect. And I'm thinking about everything I've been watching on MSNBC and CNN and how they got so much of it wrong. Mm. And I'm thinking about Roland Martin's book, White Fear. Going forward into 2024, the great best way for these Democrats to counter and fight white fear is to listen to black voices in the Democratic Party. They need to be consulted. They need to have their media purchased. You need to pay attention to black media. We know what we're talking about. And if you ignore us, you do it at your own expense. Eugene. Get out and vote in 2024. <laughs> Listen, we got a bunch of split tickets tonight across the board for the most part. Um, and probably get some more over the next week or so as votes come back. You don't want to see that in 24? Get your ass up and vote. Uh, Avis. I'm just going to be have a happy thought here. Uh, as a fairly new or returning Maryland resident, I am uh, celebrating the fact that my governor is black. Hello. <laughs> Larry. So, I think there are a couple things. I, I agree to the point made earlier about taking over the Democratic Party like Nino Brown. I'm going to use a uh, New Jack City uh, example. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing is when we talk about listening to black folks, specifically, I think we need to listen to black women. Mm. Because black women have, shout out to black women, because you've yeah, been doing course, the yeah, work for generations. <laughs> and um, it's really time that we make sure that not just members of the black community listen to you, but everyone's listening to you. Right. Because black women are the political canary in the coal mine. So when things are not going right and black women say, this is what you should be doing, then we should be listening and then hiring them and putting them in charge. So I'll leave with that. Brianna. Great segue. Thank you for setting me up. I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, actually putting them in positions of power and listening. Um, talk about DEI, not just in the sense of title only, but when you have someone be your campaign manager, uh, know what that means and, you know, listen. Um, but also going down to the ground, um, paying the ground, um, making sure you're building from ground up. It stinks from the head. Don't disconnect yourself. Know what's going on. But make sure that we're not just doing everything as volunteers, volunteers, volunteers. I know resources will always be a problem, but start with your ground, employ people, 
and have people talk to their community. Um, and if we're, uh, we're a close call, we may, he may win it outright and we'll be happy. But if not, join me in November and December to push people to come out again to vote for Warnock because we need the seat. Lauren? Um, a few things. One, the crazies lost tonight. A bunch of crazy ass Trump MAGA candidates lost tonight that the media propped up mm -hmm. and it was all bullshit, all of it, okay? And I think this sets up nicely for the Democrats in 2024 because what's gonna happen next is Big Mouth is going to announce that he's running for president. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's gonna focus everybody's mind once again, just like in 2017, and the Democrats are gonna be able to ride that. They're gonna be able to ride another wave <laughs> into power. That's my prediction for two years from now. Money. <laughs> uh, give us the ballot. <laughs> Dr. King said it in 1957, and, I, and I, I saw a note from uh, Reverend Jackson about it earlier today, and I started this day following Eugene, uh, <laughs> when they were complaining about all the things that the Dems failed to do, and I refused to join because we still had time to vote. And as long as we vote, uh, we end up with nights that everybody said were going to be horrible, but then when we vote, we find that maybe we've gained as opposed to losing because we were supposed to have a wave, right? Mm -hmm. But instead, uh, we don't. We don't even know. The house is up for grabs. House this might. This this incumbent president. This this oh so unpopular. This oh so unpopular president and his oh so unpopular first female vice president may be the most successful incumbency in decades. So I say, give us the ballot. Joe. <laughs> We have to stay encouraged for that same reason. As bad as it was supposed to go, we already know it's not going as bad as they said it was going to go. Now, two things need to go away. One is Trump. Second is Trumpism. If Trump runs again, and I kind of hope he does because he's the best motivator, once he loses, then we'll all know that it's over. However, the danger is somebody that can take Trumpism but actually does the work is not lazy and knows how to exercise the, the bumps of power. Yeah, that's a uh, that, yeah, that's, And that's the problem. So Trump will go soon enough, maybe because of uh, uh, crime, or maybe for some other reason, maybe because he loses at the ballot, but then we're dealing with Trumpism. Sure. But if we go state by state, do the diagnosis, an honest diagnosis, listen to people that know, starting with black women, we can do what we need to do long term. Julian. You know, there's a Greek myth. Um, Zeus sent Heracles to uh, slay Hydra. And every time he went to slay Hydra, Hydra grew two more heads. Um, and finally, the only way he was able to get rid of Hydra was to burn Hydra, was a seven-headed snake. I think about Trumpism and Trump like Hydra. I mean, I think it's really easy to say, let's end it. But it's just going to take some real structural work. Because, you, like, you knock down Trump, there's DeSantis. You knock down one, here comes another one. Structural racism is woven into the cake. Mm. But the fabric, that's America. It's just, it's there. So we have to be the warriors, really, that decide piece by piece by piece and chink by chink by chink, they would pull this thing aside, which means doing things differently. We've been doing this, y'all. Well, I've been doing it for a long time, longer than some of y'all. Um, but, but we've been doing this for a while. We've been looking at our politics. We're always after, after the fact, oh, we didn't get the turnout. We didn't get the money from the Democrats. We're not going to get the money from the Democrats because they're stupid. <laughs> because they ain't spent. Because they disregard us and they're anti-black. So we have to figure out how we break the paradigm and how we do it very differently. 
Monique's right. Give us the ballot. But they're not going to give us right. spit. Right. We're going to have to take it. Take and that's what the, the attitude that we leave out of here with is not as bad as we thought it was going to be, but it's not as good as it ought to be. Okay. We have to just li literally daily be motivated to fight this thing. It's a fight. Mm. Randy. See the invisible people. I mean, I think that we need to look at this and say, who do we forget? I mean, I think that we are just mm. missing a whole bunch of people that really could change things around and say, who are we not connecting with and start to connect with them? Rebecca. Black folks want more. We're tired of just surviving. We actually want to thrive now. We want to go from survive to thrive. And politicians need to understand that and they need to speak to our issues and speak not just to our needs, but to our wants. We want more. Greg Carr. Yeah, listen, just listening, you're supposed to go seven hours, went eight hours, but as you always say, Roland, that's what happens when you own your own shit. But really, just I'm sitting here with a profound respect for everyone there. And by the way, for the staff and everyone there working the boards, yes. I think this is the first time we're actually getting to see what you had in mind in terms of why you built that set the way you did. Yeah. This last hour yeah. has been like listening in on a conversation in the living room. And I think on a night when the headlines won't be this, but mm -hmm. we know that this is the best showing, apparently, mm -hmm. by uh, uh, an incumbent in power in terms of a, a political party holding the presidency, in uh, recent memory, maybe ever, the Democratic Party did not lose tonight. However, they got brought to Jesus, just like Mike said and everybody else has been saying. This may be the moment to, to form some type of independent apparatus and capture some of that magic that was in that rainbow coalition that you were talking mm -hmm. about. And if you're talking about people who may have lost the election tonight, whether it be Abrams in Georgia, whether it be our friend Dr. Chris Jones in Arkansas, uh, Sherry Beasley in North Carolina, or, or even Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin, if he doesn't pull it out, well, now you've got your state apparatus chairman, and maybe that studio could be a nice place to bring them together to have a conversation mm. of what you build out of this. Finally, just like Mike said, a lot of ticket splitting today. We saw that cannabis was legalized not only in Maryland, but in Missouri, that the minimum wage was raised in Nebraska, of all places, right here in the last colony, if you don't count Puerto Rico, Guam, Virgin Islands, the District of Columbia, where there's no voting representation in the federal legislature, they voted to phase out tipped wages. So people who are going to uh, wait tables, where some of y'all are going before you get on the airport in the next couple of hours, they're not <laughs> going to have to sing, for they suffer in the same way. We're seeing a lot of things. Abortion rights were enshrined in constitutions in California, in Michigan, in Vermont, and rejected the attempt to ban abortion in the Constitution in Kentucky and in Montana. All in all, this was a victory, and the victory is still unfolding, and an opportunity, if we can take this crack, to build some black political power and use one of the two major parties in this country to do it. And, and I want to just thank you for including me in this conversation, because listening to this, this is what it looks like. All the rest of that stuff is trash. Yes. Folks, uh, my final comments are this. One, uh, go to my iPad. Uh, it will be a shame if uh, it comes down to Democrats, one or two seats if they control the House, uh, and white Democrat Sean Patrick Maloney, who is the chair of the Democratic Campaign Congressional Committee, if he loses. Remember, he chose to run in a seat that really was uh, tailor-made for uh, black Democrat Mondaire Jones, 
Uh, well, Maloney chose to run. He wins the primary. He is losing by 3,000 votes uh, to Republican in that district. This is the person who is the chair of the Democrats' re-election campaign, oh, wow. and he can't even win his own congressional district. But also, this is a perfect example of also what happens when you do have power, don't be a dumbass. <laughs> the Democrats in New York were stupid. They tried to rig their maps. So they couldn't even gerrymander properly. They tried to rig their maps, and they were so awful that it went before judges, and they chose to redraw the districts. And that led to total chaos. New York Democrats actually helped the Republicans in the redrawing of these districts. Uh, we see uh, what has happened. Uh, there was a belief that Democrats were going to lose control of the Illinois House. They're actually, excuse me, the uh, Supreme Court. They're actually going to expand their margins there. Uh, also, while we're here, give me, can somebody look up, while I'm giving my final comments, look up, I need to see what Keith Ellison is doing in Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, I need to see what Aaron Ford is doing for Attorney General in Nevada. So somebody can look that up and let me know uh, how those races are going. Um, a lot of things that we covered tonight. First of all, uh, let me apologize to the folks. We had a lot of people booked uh, on tonight's show, and there were some folks we literally could not get on. They popped on. Uh, uh, Glenda Carr uh, with Higher Heights, Latasha Brown, Melina Abdullah, uh, several others. We just had so many people. We had an embarrassment of riches. Uh, and so we were juggling trying to get to everybody, uh, and, and not everybody could be on as long. Uh, but we do want to thank everybody who participated. Um, when, when we launched Roland Martin Unfiltered four years ago, uh, it was never supposed to be just about that show. We did midterm election coverage uh, that year in, in 2018, and then we did uh, our coverage in 2020 uh, with the presidential election. Uh, and knowing full well uh, when we moved what this was going to look like. So what you saw tonight was exactly uh, why we built this studio the way we did. Having our green screen, starting our show over there, being able to have the set over there, coming from the center area, and then having sort of this living room set uh, and this conversation here, uh, the way we're having it, it was all by design. And that also was made possible by you, the people who actually support this show. And there are a lot of people, I see them on social media, there are a lot of people who talk trash uh, and people say, we need to have this and we need to have that. I even had somebody text me, tweet me today and said, uh, why don't you get together with somebody and start a network? And I'm like, um, <laughs> you're late. <laughs> you're late. We've actually already done that. And so there are a lot of people out there who keep talking about black empowerment. We need to do this, we need to do that. Uh, and then there are people who's like, I had somebody say, man, you need to get together with Byron Allen. Well, here's the whole deal. Byron Allen's network, The Grill, they did two hours of live coverage tonight. Mm. We did seven or eight. Eight. <laughs> Old job. Just saying, okay? Uh, the other black networks, they were running sitcoms. We were doing this. Uh, other black-owned media, uh, they weren't doing anything like this. And so this is what happens, as Greg says, when you own. But it also, when you, um, when you have respect for your people and you understand all of these different races and all of the voices. I wasn't joking when I said you, you have seen more, you see more black people sitting right here <laughs> than I guarantee you will see combined on all of those networks and you can add them all up. Yep. 
So imagine the folks who were in the 7 and the 8, the 9, the 10, 11, 12 o'clock, and 1 o'clock hours. And so this is why, this is why these things matter. And so when you hear us talk about the black collective, when you hear us talk about how do we work together on politics, the same thing works when it comes to this, providing outlets and platforms for folks to be able to give voices. There are people sitting here who've never participated in an election night coverage. This is totally different. Give me a shout of the control room. There are Howard University students who are sitting in that control room That's who have right. never, <laughs> who would never get a shot. Give me a shout of the control Do we have a camera in there? Okay, flip, flip one of these robotic cameras. Right. So again, the ability to work uh, on this night with all the different cameras and the guests and going here and going there. And so that's why this is important. And so we cannot talk about how do we build black power politically if we also don't build our institutions, your, your black media institutions, which is why campaigns have got to also ensure that they're spending money with us and parties and progressive groups. Because here's the deal, and I told y'all, Sinclair, they reported they will make $340 million this year alone on political advertising. Sinclair's budgets for 2023 are already based on the money they made in 2022. And the reality is uh, our expectation was to generate $2 million in political advertising. We say on the low end, we'll get 500000 We got 187. Just so you understand, we got 187000 political advertising for the entire year. Last month on YouTube, we made 172. So what I'm trying to explain to you is we can't talk about oh, how we need these things if we actually don't fund them. It's the exact same thing. So when we talk about giving the black voters matter and the poor people's campaign and these grassroots groups, it's the exact same thing with our media. And so the election is over. Some races are still outstanding. Just like tomorrow, it'd be a new day for us, but we're going to continue going. And so we need you, all of you who are watching, all of you who have been spreading the news. And here's all the, yes, you got haters, but y'all, you know how I feel about haters? I really don't care. They are hashtag, they're, they are hashtag never will be's. <laughs> Because, see, they're desperate for attention. Mm-hmm. And so we'll be happy to let them keep talking and keep complaining and doing those sort of different things like that. But we're going to actually keep doing the work. And for the people out there who've been yelling tangibles, and I need to see this, I need to see that, the election is now over. I'm not going to ask you, did you vote? What I am going to ask is, what your ass going to do tomorrow? And Thursday? And yeah. Friday? What you going to do when the new candidates get sworn into office? Where are you going to be? Are you still going to be on Twitter and Facebook and TikTok and Instagram and all these other platforms complaining? Or are you actually going to be saying, let's actually do something about it? That's really going to be up to you. And so we're going to continue to cover the rest of the races. We're going to get some sleep. We'll be back tomorrow at 6 p.m. But do understand what you saw tonight is an example of what happened when black people, and what did you say we got to have? What did you say in your closing comments, uh, Randy? Connections? No, that's not what you said. Tell me what I said. You said something like vision, and we got to see we got to see the. You got to see the invisible, right? Yeah, the invisible. So yeah. Randy said you got to see the invisible, mm-hmm. and so what you saw tonight was literally seen the day TV One canceled my show. Mm-hmm. And so this is what happens when you actually believe in yourself, believe in God, and you are willing to actually build something that is actually bigger than you.
And so that's what this is all about. And so we thank all of y'all who are watching, all of you who have been posting on social media. Uh, please uh, share the video, uh, spread it as well, uh, because again, we're going to keep sitting here speaking uh, to our issues, our concerns, and we're not going to back down from anybody. And trust me, to all of those folks I said uh, in the Democratic Party, the progressive circles, y'all going to hear from us because it's some stuff y'all didn't do and we'll celebrate stuff y'all did do, but some areas y'all messed up. And black folks, our job is to hold them accountable every step of the way because we are not the soul of the Democratic Party. We We're the base the of the party. And when you the base, you take care of the base. Don't ignore the base. That should be our attitude. And if it means being militant, so be it. If it means being rebellious, so be it. If it means being uh, strong-arming folks, so be it. Because Frederick Douglass said it all. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Never had, never will. But the other thing that he said that a lot of us never like to repeat, he said, agitate, agitate, agitate. Folks, we'll see you tomorrow. Thank you so very much for watching our Black Votes Matter 2022 midterm election coverage. Uh, again, if you want to support us in what we do, download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, you can support us with your resources, see your checks and money orders, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app is dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is rolling at rollingsmartin.com, rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. And, of course, uh, get a copy of my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds, like tonight in this election. Available at all bookstores, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Books A Million, also Target. You can order uh, through your favorite black bookstore, or you can download from Audible as well. Folks, I will see you tomorrow. Y'all take care, and y'all know how we always end the show. Maybe we do it. You everybody know? Y'all know how we do it? Yep. On three. One, two, three. Holla! <laughs>
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.